For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast. Eight minutes past nine. Good morning. This is Mick Mulcahy and for Neil Prendable for the week. And looking now, as we always do, at the morning papers. The Echo has policing committee hears renewed calls for supervised injecting facility. Now, this has always been a bit of a hot potato sentiment-wise, but Cork City, according to Amy Nolan in the Echo, is suffering as a result of delays uh, in Dublin when it comes to developing a supervised injecting facility for intravenous drug users. Cork City's Joint Policing Committee, the JPC, has heard renewed calls for the development of such a facility will help save lives. And these thoughts were expressed by a number of people in attendance at the meeting. Joe Kirby from the local uh, Cork Local Drugs and Alcohol Task Force said despite legislation being approved in 2015 to allow for supervised injecting facilities, such a facility still does not exist in this country. Is it a bit of a taboo? Your comments are welcome by phone on 0818 104 106 or by text to 0868 104 106. But an imbiism, I suppose, comes into play here. Not in my backyard, but there's no denying the benefits, the long-term benefits uh, of safer injecting for those who are addicted. Uh, and uh, people dying on streets and back alleyways is, I suppose, the ambition of uh, providing a service like this. But I understand many people uh, will be against it. But these facilities have been in Europe for a long number of decades, and there's a lot of evidence behind them. We're lagging behind as a country in terms of that policy piece, said Mr. Kirby. He also said the establishment of such a facility in Cork should not be dependent on the delivery of Dublin's proposed centre, which has been stalled by planning challenges. You can read that uh, Amy Nelron report in the Echo today. Also in the Echo, uh, psychiatric reports sought in Formoy Collisions case, a corkman charged with a litany of road traffic and criminal damage matters arising from alleged incidents in Formoy County Cork on September 24th had his case adjourned at Mallow District Court so a psychiatric assessment can be produced. Jonathan Woodside, just age 21, of Killally West in Kilworth, appeared via video link before Judge Alec Gabbett at Mallow uh, District Court yesterday. Uh, Mr Woodside's case was adjourned last month. Uh, to yesterday by Judge John Keane, who refused to grant bail to the accused due to the seriousness of the alleged offences. But a psychiatric report has been sought in the Formoy Collisions case. Over to the examiner. Worst September on record for Cork patients. Stephen Heaney reporting that last month was the worst September on record in terms of patients with beds at Cork University Hospital and at Cork's Mercy Hospital. According to the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation, 1,260 people waited on trolleys at CUH over the course of last month, the majority at its emergency department, and a further 411 patients waited on trolleys at the Mercy. We've been recording trolley figures back to 2006 in September, and that's just gone by, is the worst on record, said Assistant Director of Industrial Relations at the INMO, Colm Porter. Addressing the issues at CUH specifically, Mr Porter said the hospital simply doesn't have enough beds to keep up with demand. And as regards to the Mercy Hospital, he said no other September comes close to last month's. And that certainly makes sobering reading as we head into winter. Uh, Back to the Echo, where uh, they're saying a shocking number of children are on the waiting list as well. A Cork TD has expressed serious concern uh, concern about the Children's Disability Network teams in Cork. Thomas Gould, Cork North Central TD, uh, received figures released under the parliamentary questions 
that show the number of children waiting for over 12 months for initial contact with the Children's Disability Network team in Cork. A uh, total of 1,584 children in Cork have waited over 12 months for initial contact. Thalidomide was on sale in Ireland a year after its withdrawal. If you're interested in the thalidomide story and the gravity and the seriousness and the life-changing um, effects of that drug, uh, check out Orgy 1 tonight at 7 o'clock. We'll be dealing with the subject of thalidomide on the Neil Prendeville show of the next day or two as well. A drug known to cause severe birth defects was available to buy over-the-counter in Ireland a year, over-the-counter, a year after it was withdrawn from the international market. Bent Irish women continue to take morning sickness treatment thalidomide, unaware of the catastrophic effect it would have on their babies. John Stack, a farmer from Kerry, was born disabled on January in January 1963 after his mother unwittingly took the now notorious anti-nausea medication seven months after it should have been withdrawn from sale. There are so few survivors left, so few mothers left uh, and I think the RTE scandal uh, program tonight is going to be some very, very tough watching. The devastating impact thalidomide has had on them will be explained in the program. And Mr. Slack said if they had taken off the drug in 1961 uh, when they were supposed to take it off, uh, I wouldn't have been affected at all. Do the maths. My mother must have taken it around June of 1962. It was supposed to have been taken off the shelf, but they didn't do it. More details on that on the TV tonight. And uh, if you want to read it in the Irish Daily Mirror. The Irish Independent has 600 million euro lumped on our home energy bills to help big business. A subsidy paid by householders to help big businesses with their energy costs was still being added to domestic bills up until last week, it has emerged. Now, this is good. Uh, this is big news. More than half a billion euro in extra charges has been levied on the ordinary householder's electric bills since the large energy user rebalancing subvention. Wouldn't they come up with a fancy name for anything? Was introduced more than a decade ago, the Irish Independent has discovered. The subsidy has cost individual housekeep, uh, housekeepers and householders up to €480 Euro since the support was introduced in the last recession in 2020. At least €600 million in extra charges added to domestic electricity bills in that time. And uh, this is, uh, after so much time now being revealed, it's kind of a tax by stealth, really, isn't it? Neither the uh, energy regulator nor, nor the Department of the Environment, the Department in Charge of Energy Matters, could explain why the subvention has continued for so long. Hard-pressed households will not even get to benefit from its removal now. While scrapping it would save them €40 Euro a year, the energy regulator last week increased network charges for all electricity customers, adding €41 Euros to a domestic bill and swallowing up any saving if this subvention was removed. But it's bound to cause anger uh, in the teeth of the uh, cost of living crisis we're all experiencing. The Irish Sun has uh, doubt all turns on Monk. He will spend the rest of his life looking over his shoulder. And there are very various plays on headlines, Dowd man walking and that kind of thing. But state witness Jonathan Dowdall will spend the rest of his life looking over his shoulder after agreeing to testify in the Regency murder trial. The ex Fein councillor, 44 years of age, likely to go into witness protection afterwards and to an English-speaking country, um, but will spend the rest of his life apparently looking over his shoulder. Relatives uh, get new lives abroad. Action Fein councillor Jonathan Dowdall and his extended family 
have been in protective custody since last week after he agreed to tell all on the Regency attack. Uh, I stayed in that hotel, actually, after the... Uh, the renaming from the Regency. It was only when I arrived at the uh, the front door I said, hang on a second, this place is familiar. This place has been on the news and then I uh, checked out the old name. Nice place, very reasonable and uh, decent food as well but uh, uh, only realising afterwards that it was actually, uh, we were probably sitting in uh, the same hall, perhaps uh, for breakfast as uh, the weigh-in happened. But anyway, I digress. The Special Criminal Court was told his relatives are likely to be resettled abroad under new identities and will never, never be able to return home. Uh, Dowdall is a dad of four. As I mentioned, he's 44, has promised to make a statement implicating others in the violent gun attack at Dublin's Regency Hotel, which led to the murder of senior Kinahan cartel member David Byrne on the 5th of February 2016. Uh, That's in the Irish Sun today. Uh, Let's get uh, to the uh, last few pieces of uh, our newspaper review. Thousands of refugees waiting on accommodation, fewer than 6,000 in private housing, despite at least 25,000 offers. More on that in the Mail. The Mail also has Irish Water did not act on E. coli illness reports. Check that out in the Mail. Back to the Independent. And Oodles of Doodles is an amazing picture that you can check out inside today's Independent. British artist Sam Cox has unveiled his latest project called The Doodle House, uh, in which he's covered inside and out uh, with signature hand-drawn doodles. And finally, the incy-wincy spider, squincy spider, if you like. Dad traps an eight-legged beast, but it's a false eyelash. A dad who trapped what he thought was a monster spider in the bathroom was stunned to learn it was his daughter's false eyelashes. The number one talk show in Cork. If it's happening in Cork, Neil is talking about it. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. Uh, straight to our phone lines, uh, John Kearns is a columnist with the Irish Mirror and joins us on line one. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning, Mick. How are you? Very good. Is it Kearns or Kieran's? Uh, I think it's Kearns. Oh, Kieran's. But... Oh, Kieran's. It's Kieran's, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, yeah, that's very important. Mick. Yeah, the IE are very important. You had a very entertaining <laughs> column uh, in today's Irish Mirror. Uh, maybe not entertaining so is the wrong word. A very on-the-ball article in uh, this morning's uh, Irish Mirror about the 10% concrete levy. Uh, tell us your position on it. Well, I just think it's one of the stupidest things uh, that I, I've seen a government doing in quite some time. Because uh, overall, I would have rated this budget as a pretty fair budget. Um, as I said in the column, there was a bit for everybody in the audience. The government was uh, genuinely trying to help everybody um, uh, in Irish society at both the, the bottom end and, and the middle end of the scale. Um, uh, they weren't doing what the, the, the Brits were doing, which was handing you know, tax cuts to the rich. Um, and, and, uh, and, and then they come along uh, after you know, a budget that was, you know, the opposition found it very difficult to find holes in it. And then they come along and they bring in this stupidest thing, the concrete levy. You know, and you kind of think to yourself, who in the name of God, like Michal Martin is an intelligent man, but who in the name of God in the, in the civil service convinced them to come up with this? You know, I mean, let's let's face it, the, the Mika and Pyroid scandal, which has hit the, the west of Ireland, was absolutely shocking for all the thousands of people uh, whose homes are, are crumbling down through no fault of their own. The government rightly agreed to pay compensation of, of four to six. It's going to end up between four to six billion. So these people, these poor people, can can all rebuild their houses. It wasn't their fault. 
you know, that they, they, the houses were built with inferior blocks and inferior concrete that was fu- full of these devastating minerals, you know, that resulted in literally your walls tumbling down. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems, concrete, it, it seems you know. incredible with such a level yeah, of is, intelligence. And, and the people, and the people, absolutely. And, and the people who should be paying here, you know, are, are the companies who own the quarries involved, the companies who made the blocks, the building firms involved, you know, their management, their directors, their shareholders, these are the people who should be paying. Why are they and getting the idea, off the hook? Well, this is the whole question, you know. And then the idea, right, and this is what really angers me, that you decide we're going to have this levy because somebody has to pay for it. And, and I listen to me Hall, you know, who's an intelligent man at the weekend uh, being interviewed on the weekend politics, and he was still, it was nearly as if somebody's just, puts, you know, if you, have, if you have this scandal, somebody has to pay for it, which is all fine and teary, but it shouldn't be Joe Public. It shouldn't be the consumer, you know. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be the young couple who are trying to buy their first house because this concrete levy is going to mean that the price of building a house is going to increase by three or four thousand euros, you know, which is a hell of a lot of money, especially when you're scrimping and saving and trying to get every penny together to put a deposit together to get your own home in this country, if yeah. you can find one that's available. <laughs> exactly. So I just think it was absolutely politically inept. I think it's so stupid. The money involved, what they're going to raise, is 80 million a year. Yeah, I, I believe there should be payback, but the payback should be against the people who caused it, not the general public. You know, it goes back to the banking crisis, you know, that we had to pay for the banks. You know, who went to jail? I think one person went to, or two went to jail for the banking crisis. Everybody else got off the hook. The banks, their shareholders, the management, they all got off the hook. Right, but we ended up paying through the universal social charge that was only supposed to be a temporary measure and is still with us and we're still paying for it. And now because that, that tax brings in four billion a year, it, you know, no government is ever going to let go of it because it's a huge uh, uh, it's a it's a huge revenue stream. So I just think this concrete tax is the stupidest thing I ever I ever, ever have felt. And I wouldn't be anyone who's kind of, uh, I'm a pretty open-minded thing. I'm not anyone who's anti-government or pro-Sinn Féin. I'd hold any political party to account, you know. And I thought there were some reasonable good things in the budget. I think the three 200 euro payments towards the electricity bill in December, January and February is is fantastic. Uh, You know, I think the double payments for people on social welfare. I think the the help for for people and families with childcare was terrific. You know, that's a big reduction in their bills. That's a huge help, something that was needed for years. But then to come along with this concrete levy, it's just so stupid because some civil service, and this will, if they're tracking down, there'll be some civil service now in, 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 in Marion Street, in the Department of Finance, a public expenditure, you know, some clown who's come up with this, and it's just totally wrong. Okay, John can, John, can you hold with me for a moment? Can you stay with me for a moment? Because I have an industry expert on the other line, and that's Dave Heaven, who's the commercial uh, director of Cork Builders Providers. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Ian. How are you? Uh, very good. Uh, it's Mick, actually. Oh, sorry, Mick, how are you this morning? <laughs> Not too bad. Listen, Dave, you're at the coalface here as commercial director of uh, one of the largest builders, providers or suppliers uh, in Munster, if not in Ireland. Uh, you've got many hundreds of not just DIYers and self-house builders, but lots and lots of builders calling into your premises. I know you're not looking after liquid concrete, but you sell a lot of concrete products. What's been the reaction maybe from your sales staff at the counters? Uh, they must be talking to the builders and to the, you know, the ordinary DIYers. Is, is this being welcomed or is it being seen as kind of farcical? 
Um, I wouldn't say it's been welcomed. I suppose it's kind of come as a shot out of the blue. Um, I don't think it was something that was expected. And at a time when uh, the need for housing is probably at its absolute greatest, um, I'd see it as a, as a negative, certainly, um, impacting on the sector. It's certainly, over the past couple of years, we've had hyperinflation due to COVID, due to the war. Um, energy costs are spiralling, and it's just another cost, I think, that the construction sector doesn't really need at the moment, you know? Yeah, so that 10% will apply from, from your supply standpoint to concrete blocks, to co- concrete lintels, uh, that kind of thing? Correct. So, like, there's an impact, uh, uh, there would be an impact to our customers, there would be a cost involved, and basically anything where, where we'd have concrete products um, used, so um, we'd say the likes of slates and stuff would have concrete in them, the likes of lintels, as you were saying. So like there would be a knock-on effect. It's not just people are focusing maybe on the housing, but you, if you take in infrastructure and big civil projects where there's a lot of concrete used, that, that, that there's a cost involved there as well, Mick. So it is, um, it's across the sector. Like It's not just the housing sector, which has been focused on the most, but... Um, it's certainly, um, it's certainly I, I don't think it's something that's, at this current time, something that's needed in, in the sector. And moreover, when you, t- when you factor in what's happened over the last couple of years, with price increases due to the energy costs, it's certainly most unwelcome, I feel. Okay, and I know the cost of building materials in general is going up, uh, you know, 3, 4, 5%, sometimes in a month. Uh, and your supply chain must be under pressure to keep, you know, to keep good pricing in the Cork marketplace. Well, we're con- we're con- we're constantly um, negotiating with our suppliers, but over the past number of years, it's been extremely difficult. Supply was a major issue, and um, obviously the increases um, you just have to bear them under the circumstances that the supply is limited. But obviously, the whole thing has been um, accelerated by the war in Ukraine, which is extremely unfortunate. But it, is, it has had a massive effect on energy, and that energy in turn is driven up the price of cement. We've had a number of price increases on cement already this year and we have a number of price increases probably to come over the next six months and again, I just feel that the market, there's only so so much you can go with the market and at this current time I just don't feel the market can take any won't take much more than than, than where it is at the moment. Yeah, I mean the the incredulous thing here Dave is that the the concrete levy will add 3,000 or 4,000 euro to the cost of a house and we're in the middle of a housing shortage and a housing crisis. Well, that's the point I made at the very start because the need for housing is greatest now. And in Cork, fortunately, we're in Cork and we have a fantastic construction sector based around us here in Cork. We're some of the biggest house builders in the country based in Cork. Um, we've Cairn Homes starting a big site in, in, in Monigorny. We've got Flint Construction, Renan Noche, plenty more people that I'm not mentioning. But they're all involved in the construction centre. They're all producing top-end product. And what, another factor I suppose we can, should be mentioned as well outside of this is People are buying houses today that are so well insulated, so well built, compared to products that were produced even 10, 15 years ago. And there's an impact of cost involved in producing those houses. And this is another cost on top of that. Uh And uh, I just feel, like like I don't be repeating myself, but I just feel it is certainly unwelcome um, at this time in the marketplace. And and for for the few, the relative few maybe who are listening, who may be planning to build uh, over the next year or so, are they now being forced? You know something, I'm going to have to get my foundations down during the winter. I'm going to have to get my blocks all purchased and on-site during the winter before April. Uh, and this is going to put another undue pressure on me. I suppose, Mick, it'll come back to a lot of things like planning and stuff like that, whether, whether that's all in place. Exactly. Look, I would say to anybody, like, no more than we've had to deal with our customers over the last couple of years. We've had a number of challenges with pricing and with supply. 
you'll have to you'll have to factor in all these into the equation of whether 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 and when you start to build. But yes, look if 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 you if you if this levy goes ahead, well then yes, it will put pressure on people if they go to build beforehand. I think any intelligent person, uh, Dave, doesn't need a crystal ball to see this won't probably won't go ahead. Maybe they're not going to do a U-turn because it's too close to Quasi Quartang across the water. But I don't think we'll see it stand. Dave, even thanks for your expert opinion and continued success to one of Cork's big employers, Northside and Southside, uh, commercial director of Cork Builders Providers. Dave, even thank you. Back to John Kearns. Thanks, Dave. Um, back, John, you said quite uh, tacitly in your article, and it really does hammer the point home, that this is a ridiculous tax. It'll bring in 80 million a year. Now, that's political peanuts, really, when it comes to reputational is, yeah, damage. Is, yeah, but there's yeah. going to be backbench revolt over this. And it's going to cost Michal Martin, or it's going to be Leo Varadkar's government, I suppose, uh, come Christmas. Uh, this will probably cost them dearly. Like, and, and this is what you say, and, and I'd love people to hear this, because you're absolutely 100% correct. The Irish people didn't cause the banking crisis, but yet we had to pay for it. The bankers who did. We had to pay for it. The Irish people didn't cause the insurance crisis, but we had to pay an insurance levy for the companies that did. And now the government is trying the same trick when it comes to pyrite mica. Yeah, well, that's it. That is exactly it. And it's just morally wrong, and we can't, we shouldn't stand for it. And Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael backbenchers and the Greens are the one government should just not stand for it. And in the big scheme of things, of about 11 billion. You know, I mean, a 11 billion budget giveaway is a huge amount of money. Never in my lifetime has a government given away so much money in a budget. So in the big scheme of things, you know, there's an 80 million here. Now, Michal Martin says it's the principle, but the principle should be go after the people that caused this scandal. The companies, and there's plenty of them, the directors, the management, their shareholders. People should be, you know, there should be a criminal investigation into this scandal. People deserve to be jailed over this. Because trust me, I, I've interviewed loads of these poor people who had pyroid and micra in, in, in Sligo, in Donegal, in, in Mayo, in Clare, right? And it's absolutely horrendous. You put every penny you have into a house, and a couple of years down the road then, it just suddenly starts turn it into dust, it starts crumbling before your eyes, and you're lying in bed at night wondering, you know, how are you going to fix this, where are you going to get the money your house is worthless and you're saddled with a huge mortgage, right and it, you know, thankfully the government made the right decision to intervene and, and, and to help these people so that they could rebuild their houses, which was the right thing to do, but then don't turn around and ask the consumer to go and pay for it yeah, there's, 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 there's already political rumblings that uh, first-time buyers will be exempt, John. First-time buyers are meant to be exempt, according to political rumblings. Well, no, no, no. Well, it's not decided, fully decided yet, and I hope it is. That was a suggestion by Fianna Fáil backbencher Barry Cowan at the Fianna Fáil Ardation over the weekend, and he asked the shop to consider it. So, Michal Mann indicated that he would, he would listen to any proposals from his back benches and, and also any other proposals from the opposition. I think Sinn Féin have a motion, I think it's sort of down in the doll for today or tomorrow, uh, banning this, so there might be government amendments. So hopefully first-time buyers would be excluded. Yeah, but what, 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 about, what about the next cohort? Are, are we going to be looking at the politically ironic situation of people rebuilding their homes because of pyrite damage and mica, paying the concrete levy? Yeah, it would be, yeah, absolutely. That would be 100% as well, yeah. That's a fair point. Uh, there would be, yeah. They'd have to pay it as well, yeah. Okay. Even though they're getting the, the grants to do it. But it's just totally wrong, you know. What there needs to be is, is to put as much effort 
but thinking about this concrete level, and we going after the people that caused this scandal, the people who did it. They're living in this country, you know. People locally know who they are. They know who owns the quarries. Why aren't we going after these people? They are the ones who caused it. You and I should not have to pay for the sins of others. John, we leave it there. Very uh, entertaining and on-the-ball article today uh, in Tuesday's edition of the Irish Daily Mirror. John Kieran's uh, columnist there. Thank you very much for coming on this morning. You're, you're welcome, Mick. Any time. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes. I guess every once in a while, governments do things we don't understand. It happened last Friday week in the UK when the uh, 45% tax rate was taken away from people, the richer element of society making over 150 grand a year. It crashed the market, it crashed the pounds, it crashed the bonds, it crashed the ability to uh, to borrow money. Uh, we're going to have the, once again, this is another ironic and farcical situation. When the, when the IMF meet, I think it's in New York next week, isn't it? We could have the situation where Britain is coming to us looking for a loan. And, uh, you know, 14, 15 years after we were in bailout ourselves, uh, that uh, just stands to the progress that we've made. And well done. Uh, credit where credit is due to the mostly um, uh, Fine Gael attempts at doing that. It was uh, government, wasn't it, uh, with, uh, what's his name, Enda Kenny, uh, as Taoiseach, that knuckled down and, and got us kind of back on the straight and narrow. And, okay, successive governments have built from there. Uh, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael under the supply and confidence agreement, uh, and uh, more lately, uh, there is the coalition of Fianna Fáil, uh, Fine Gael and the Greens. Uh, but the 11 billion euro giveaway budget last week uh, has to be seen, credit where credit is due, for the most part, uh, a most part now, uh, a reasonable and compassionate attempt to help people through the cost of living crisis, with something for everyone in the audience, as they say, on that long-running talk show. But to leave a gaping hole like this, where uppercuts can come in from elements of society, is just political madness. And uh, whether they're going to U-turn quickly or slowly remains to be seen. But it seems like a very unjust levy to spread it across the Irish people once again after the bank bailout and after the insurance levy uh, and after the water debacle when they tried to... uh, First of all, if you go back 30 years, they were saying pay your road tax uh, and you'll never have water charges. Uh, How soon we forget these things. Uh, But uh, if the state can't fork out the 4 billion to 6 billion in compensation to the householders affected without someone picking up the tab, then I wonder what the political cost will be to raise 80 million a year. That's a long way off four to six billion. And the political capital spent on this would tell me anyway that this will be U-turned. But we'll wait and see. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Good morning from the Neil Prendeville Show. Coming up on 22 minutes to 10. I'm going to come to Arthur in a moment. I want to thank him in advance for holding for so long. But I must mention our good friends at Lentry Furniture Centre. We've got a brilliant competition this week. A 200 euro voucher to spend with Lentry Furniture. They're in Dunmanway. You can spend that voucher in store or online. And an extra winner on Friday uh, who gets a Lazy Boy spec. Spectator chair. This is the luxury leather recliner that Joey and Chandler famously fell in love with on that long-running show, Friends. And it's a long-running business they haven't done, Manway. A family-run business where customer service is paramount uh, and a very, very integral part of what they do every day and aiming to deliver white glove service, meaning they deliver and they assemble their furniture. Uh, if uh, the man of the house or the lady of the house isn't into DIY, uh, then... Um, this is the way to go. Every day of the week, there's a famous person hiding behind the sofa. Now, somebody is trying to settle themselves on the sofa as well, right? I thought yesterday that might have been a little 
flatulence from the cat or something, but you're going to get some distracting noises here. Uh, so we're going to give you just uh, a quick sneak preview. Don't call us just now. We'll tell you exactly how to enter the competition later it on. It is your claim that you left because of untenable circumstances and you want your entire $5,000 back. That's not going to happen. Okay, we'll give you a few more listens to that during the course of the programme this morning. Uh, but don't forget, you can check everything out on lentreefurniture.ie. Every uh, brand, of course, that matters in the furniture industry is stocked there, from Natural Sleep to Stressless, Darrow, Respa, Lazy Boy, and Sherborne, and many, many more. More details on that great competition with Lentree Furniture Centre, done Manway during the course of the programme. Once again, Arthur, thank you for holding for so long. Good morning. No problem. Good morning, Mick. How are you? I'm good. Now, we need to wake up, you say, with this uh, government and about this situation and do something about what's happening. Oh, big time. In my opinion, this is not a giveaway budget. This is a shuffling money from one pocket to the another budget, you know. It's $11 billion. Uh, we, Yeah, $11 billion, But I, I'd be curious to see what the real value of it is uh, if you don't kind of include the money that the government is just going to make back immediately. You know what I mean? So, like, in... Like on that point, what I'm uh, trying to make is that, for instance, these energy credits, you know, so every household is getting 600 euros and businesses are getting up to 10,000 euros a month for energy, right? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the government own 95% of the ESB, do they not? I think they do, yeah, I think you're right. So if they own 95% of the ESB, now the ESB no longer sell electricity to a certain extent, but they provide, I guess, all the lines and they rent them out to all the providers that we have, such as Electric Ireland, Airtricity, blah, 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 you know? So they're making profit off of the electricity companies or off off the energy companies. So with this profit that they're making, they're thinking that like, oh, look, the prices are soaring up. We're making extra money. We'll give back a little bit of money to make it look like we're trying to do something. But in reality, what it feels like to me is that they're just taking money out of the left pocket and putting it into the the right pocket, you know, with a little exchange, a little shuffle, make it look fancy like they're doing something for us. But they really aren't, you know, and like the 600 euros, I don't know how that's going to help so many people because, you know, they're getting bills for pretty much 300 euros for what Mm. almost two months you know so how long is that going to help people you know by january we're going to be in the same situation or february i don't know how they're going to manage to give out this credit and everything like that but it's it's doing nothing in the long run realistically and yeah actually the only thing that people are really benefiting from our businesses in a sense because look they can keep going they're getting 10,000 or up to 10,000 to help them on their yeah, business, but that, that, I was talking to a businessman you know, over the weekend whose uh, electricity bill has gone up 100 and maybe 120 uh, percent since yeah. this time last year so let's say he was paying um, 10 grand a month and now he's mm-hmm. paying 24 25 grand a month he's going to yeah. get 40 percent of that 15 grand back which know, is good which is six grand Okay. Which is good. So he's right. still paying nineteen grand a month a month when he was paying ten grand last year, even with the levy. Or even with the support yeah, so of like, pardon. So that's what I'm trying to say. With the support, it's good that he's getting the support because he's not being fronted with the entire bill and it's kind of making it a little bit easier for him to manage and probably uh, survive through this winter, you know. Um, but on top of that, then the government are just taking this money straight back. They're making the money straight back and they're pretending like they're giving it to us for nothing and that we're, we should be grateful, you know. And then on top of that, like the audacity that they have that they're trying to say now that pay as you go customers aren't going to get it or have to go to the social welfare office to get it, you know. I'm like, how is that even, 
how is that even a consideration? I'm like, how many people are on pay as you go in this country, you know? Because for a lot of people, that's the only way that they can manage their electricity is that they just top it up every couple of days, you know? It's easier than getting fronted with the bill for two, 300 euros, and you're like, oh no, now I'm not going to have to be able to buy food shopping for the week because I have to pay my electricity. Yeah, you know? it, it, so. it can't seem like rocket science to apply the 200 euro to those people who have pay-as-you-go accounts. Uh, because like they have accounts, the, they have UANs, unique account numbers. Exactly, and they also, like on the, the last credit that we got, the pay-as-you-go customers got the credit, didn't they? You know, you, 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 you can buy, it, you can buy no a pay-as-you-go credit through your phone. You can buy one in your local shop. It's a series of numbers. Why isn't yeah. everyone through their pay-as-you-go provider provided with a code that will top up their meter by 200 euros? Exactly, you know, and like I'm, I don't understand what the difference is now with this 600 euro credit versus the 200 euro credit that we got when in April or something like that. Yeah, uh, I think we got one before, didn't we? Yeah, we got one before, but that applied to everybody, you know. So everybody was kind of under the impression that look, if 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 everybody, including the pay-as-you-go customers, got it, you know, then why can't we get it now? And like I kind of shot myself in the foot at the moment because um, I recently switched over to pay as you go because it's cheaper, you know, and like I want to make sure my electricity stays on. And uh, boom, I switch over. I have the card in the mail and everything. And then the next day on the radio, I hear, oh, great, the pay as you go customers aren't getting anything. I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, like, what, what research like, tells you that pay as you go is cheaper? Um, well, it was just kind of, wasn't really research. It was because I'm kind of, Unfortunately, I'm in a bit of a situation where I, I owe Electric Ireland a bit of money, you know. So um, for me to manage it and like I couldn't make any changes to my account rather than going pay as you go and getting a little slightly cheaper rate um, and they're able to, I don't know, I think I could have a new day um, day unit and a night unit, you know. So it's it's minuscule savings, but it's just essentially for me to be able to keep the lights on at home. Yeah, but the one, you know, the one thing that happens when you have a meter at home that's counting down to zero, and you, I know you get your fiver or your tenner uh, when you go under, is you, you become supremely aware of the usage, the lights that are on unnecessarily, uh, things, oh, yeah. the machines that are left plugged in overnight and that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and I'm already doing that at the moment, and unfortunately everybody, I think, whether they're pay-as-you-go or a normal customer, are kind of forced to do that because, like, People are going to be shocked. Their jaws are going to drop on the floor as soon as they open their bills this winter, you know. If the, this month the electricity is going up again by how much percent, I can't even remember. I don't even, all these statistics of price increases and everything, if I'm following them too much, I'm, I'm going to drive myself crazy, you know. But, like, still, the, the electricity prices are going up this month. So, what, in November when people get their bills or some people who are going to get their bills in December, you know, when they're getting ready to buy Christmas presents and everything like that, get ready for the holidays, and then come to show that they can't find out or they can't Arthur, afford. If, you know? if, if the environmental case for renewables is so strong, uh, then how can people who rely on renewables, such as wind, like SSE electricity, was a 37% increase? How can that be? That, that's what doesn't make sense. And I actually wanted to ask you the same question is how does that make sense if they receive or a lot of the electricity that they provide is from renewable sources, like the, we don't have a shortage of wind at the moment, you know, it's not like all of a sudden because gas prices went up, oh, oh, it's more expensive to maintain these wind farms or something like that. No, that's nonsense. People are using this as an excuse. Everything that like 
it's nearly like the the excuse went from COVID. So even at the end, kind of towards the end of the pandemic, when things were going back to normal, if you remember, a lot of places were still using COVID as an excuse for reasons why they can't get product. Um, prices are still high and everything like that because COVID was still an excuse. But then COVID kind of went out the window and the Ukraine war took over. And people are like, oh, look, now I have another scapegoat that I can blame all the current situations on. And like, I think it's unfortunate that like, the majority of the people who hold the power, they're kind of, they're using these situations as an advantage to scare us, you know, like, mm. because obviously when there's a big conflict and everything going on that like people are worried what's going to happen. And if we have our government telling us, look guys, there's going to be a shortage of electricity. There's going to be a shortage of this. Everybody's going to panic. They're going to start panic buying the same way as they did over COVID. I'd be surprised if we're not going to have fuel shortages this winter, especially now with the, um, the attacks or the sabotage that they were doing to the pipeline and everything like that. Yeah, you know? well, I, I want to get to some other callers, Arthur. There's an American heritage there, I think. Is there? Did anyone ever tell you you sound a little bit like Michael Flatley? I, I think you told me the last time I was on air that <laughs> I sound a little bit like I don't you. remember you being on air. I'm sorry about that. Go on, say, no problem, no say problem. soft day, thank God. Soft day, thank God. Yeah, exactly like <laughs> Flatley. Thank you, Arthur. Uh, thanks, no Ronald. Let's go, let's go to a construction worker. Rob works in construction. Good morning, Rob. Morning. What's your feeling on the concrete yeah. levy and all all that's happening? As generous as the budget was, this seems to be a gaping hole, and it certainly is uh, raising people's ire. Yeah, well, obviously, I I feel maybe that we shouldn't be um, forced to pay for somebody else's mistakes. You know, I make the priority. Obviously, it was dug out of the ground and it was used in the making of the concrete, and it failed. But I, I don't understand why we are having to pay for it down here. Um, but I tell you, Mick, why, why I rang in there was there was one area in construction that I was brought up with was a wet time stamp. And uh, basically, I'm a mason and working outdoors. And, you know, in the wintertime, if you if you rained off, at least you got paid. You got paid some portion of your of your day's wages. What, what Nowadays, determines like, if you're rained off, Rob? What level of rain for how long? Well, I think it's after around 11 o'clock. If, you know, if you were rained off uh, after 11 o'clock, you got paid for your day. You got paid a portion of your day. And you paid a stamp for that. And that was what we were brought up with. And uh, I made 40 years now in the building trade, Mick. And I'll be honest with you, know, the face into the wintertime now, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a task, you know, to try and keep going, try and work, and try and get a wage in the door. Now, people will say, Grand, we make plenty of money during the summertime, blah, 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 but it's a long winter now, Mick, you know. Mm. And um, it's not easy surviving, like, if you're not earning money, like we say, for four or five days, or, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm just trying to say that they've, forgot, they've forgotten that. Uh, fishermen always say we get paid if they can't go to sea if there's bad weather they get s- some money back or whatever but there's a forgotten cohort of people there out there plasters, masons, roofers that work outdoors in the winter time and very little support But it's a different subject different topic for a different day but the, the fishermen are certainly not getting enough support we'll come back to no. that maybe um, so you've got a very difficult winter ahead comparative to people who work in the warmth of an office um, can I just venture that if, if this levy goes through there's going to be less concrete sold, there's going to be less houses built, so there's going to be less work for masons, and then there's going to be less work for first-fixed carpenters, uh, electricians, second-fixed tilers, roofers, etc. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, 100%. Uh, make, you know, it's, uh, I don't think it will go through, Mick, I'll be honest with you, know, I think they're just flexing their muscles, and I think go, uh, people, people will, will, will actually vote, like, and they're gonna, not going to accept it. Mm. They, they, you know, they, they could have claimed victory with this budget, and I'm sure the political parties will, but they're, they're really doing their best at snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, aren't they? 
I guess absolutely. I mean, like virtually the only thing that I'm going to benefit from there is um, is is I suppose the few the few holders will get towards these people. And um, though I did see something there, I don't know. I haven't heard anyone bringing this up, but are they capping the cost of diesel and 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 home heating oil? I thought I read that somewhere in the budget. Not sure, but I'd love to find out if they are, because uh, some people are kind of half supplied for the winter. Uh, whatever the cost of transport, diesel is now significantly dearer than petrol. And that has a supply chain impact uh, for all of the haulage. Um, and, you know, we're an island shipping diesel. Uh, it's costing more to bring in containers. Everything is related to the price of fuel. There's another very interesting article, actually, which we must get to. Uh, three quarters of the uh, communications infrastructure in the world passes Ireland north and south. This is going to be bigger than the gas blow. If somebody sabotages that, we're not only cut off from electricity, we're not only cut off from gas, we're cut off from the internet. Now, I don't want to be alarming people, uh, but you can check out that in the morning papers today. And maybe it's, if we could find an expert, it'd be a very good one to, uh, to get on air and inform people. Rob, best of luck. Hope you're not rained off too often. And uh, we... Uh, Rained off today, Nick. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing a rained off day? Should I ask? Um, well, we try and do something. You know, maybe you might, you might, you might prepare some tools, or you might get maybe stock materials for the next day, or whatever. Organised, and you put on the jacket, obviously, but you can't be mixing water or whatever. You know, it's, it's yeah. just one of those things you have to put up with. But there should be a little bit of support, I think, for people who work outdoors. All right, Rob in construction. Thank you very much, uh, Luigi. Luigi's next. Thanks for holding, Luigi. I'll be with you in a moment. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Coming up in five minutes to ten, the Neil Prenderville show with Mick Mulcahy. Thanks for holding, Luigi. Good morning. Good morning. What What do you reckon about the whole situation? You think it's a bit of a joke, do you? Well, uh, it is indeed. That's, that's after even watching, listening to the profit that these companies uh, have made uh, during the, you know, this crisis where, you know, they're raising prices, they're making a lot of money, but none of these is kind of going back into the system where, you know, they could, since the profits are huge, they could lower prices instead of putting them up uh, every second day, basically. Like even, like yesterday we rang um, Electric Island, we rang this number about our meter they charged us 2.95 per minute. We spent 10 minutes listening to a message. So we got charged 30 euros for absolutely Oh my God, nothing. serious? I'm not kidding you. There is a number you ring because we wanted to know on what uh, our meter is, um, you know, you have two type of deals. You have like an all day kind of deal or you have night and day. So we wanted to know where we stand because it's a new meter. It's this meter, the, the new electronic one, mm. you know, where they don't take a reading. And to find automated. information, they're charging a 2.95 a minute. Oh, yes. We rang and they said, no, you need to ring this number to speak uh, to a specific office. So we rang the number and all of a sudden the message says, so far you spend 30 euros. Do you want to hold on the line? Like my 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 <laughs> girlfriend mother was furious. She was so upset, the poor woman. She was so upset. Like last night, I, I sent you a picture of of your old town council. Yes, the old last town hall was, had its lights on. Taking, had it? 
lights on every sleeping night. Like, come on. Even the yawl clock tower is lit by these massive lights, and they're not cheap. I don't understand why we have to kind of make all these sacrifices and, oh, you need to turn down the lights, don't do this, don't do that, and then... Luigi, will you, will you do me a favour? I, I think you've got more to say than time will allow me to, to let you say this side of the news. Would you mind coming back to me after news at 10 and we'll explore the story a little more? Of course, of All course. Right. I'll thank, be on the Thank I'll you so much. And, whenever and you need. I All appreciate right. you held on for a while to get on. So, so <laughs> no let's give worries, you the time no you worries. deserve after 10. Thanks, Luigi. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. thanks. Bye-bye. And after 10 as well, we're going to play for you once again the second playing of our celebrity hiding behind the couch uh, for Glentry Furniture and Dunmanway. 200 euro voucher to give away today towards the end of the programme. We nearly broke the text machine yesterday with the volume of text that came in and it did impact on the ability of the producers to produce the content of the programme. So it's a very popular competition. So we're going to do it as a phone-in competition today. But don't call until just before 12 uh, when we tell you. With Glentree Furniture and Dunmanway, a €200 Euro voucher to spend more details after the news at 10 o'clock, which is on the way with Lana O'Connor. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And welcome back to Luigi, who very kindly said he would wait over the 10 o'clock news. Thanks, Luigi. I just felt I couldn't squeeze it in on the time I had available. Uh, so now we've got a little more free air. Um, now, you were, you were saying you kind of are wondering why all of the public lighting is on on the, uh, the town hall in Yall. And uh, we had some other points to make as well. Sure. So, yeah, uh, to be honest, this has been an issue for me personally since the last couple of years, you know, since the pandemic started, because I, I was spending more time outside. I was walking during the evening and I was looking around, you know, like this clock tower, this town council offices and I was like do we really really need all of this to be lit up all night I mean this is not the the Tour Eiffel this is not the Colosseum this is not like a massive major landscape kind of attraction that you want people to see you know know what the people in y'all are going to say to you now Luigi it may not be the Colosseum but it's our Colosseum it's yours, Colosseum. But we are we living in in times where we have been made aware that the resources we have they're not endless, and that we need to make a step ourselves first. So they're asking us to be a bit more aware of what we do. So you know they want to build greenways, so we cycle more instead of going around with our car. They want us to to walk more. They want us to you know not 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 to use too much plastic not to, to to you know like do your washing at night and these and that but then on on the other side you know we are we 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 see this every day like we're 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 out of vanity this is just out of vanity this has no use whatsoever you know yes maybe you can keep it up until 12 one o'clock when yes that's what i was going to suggest yeah, but not all night but all night, it's it's just a waste of money that then me personally as a business owner, where I pay council taxes, where I pay my taxes, and then I'm like, where is this money going? Where is, is this money then going and being used for something good when it comes to, you know, like something that is kind of a socially useful where you can help people or where you can build more houses or you, no, we're just wasting 
money for, for, for nothing. And last night I was just looking at it once again and I was like, they either have a very, very good deal with their provider, maybe, we don't know, maybe your, maybe Corkett Council has a different deal, different rates, I don't know. Maybe they're but special I, low power or low consumption <laughs> LED lights these, or something. These are, no, these are flood, like massive lights, even if they are LEDs, you know, like they still, there is still like something to think about there, where, where then multiply these for every single town in the country or big town for that matter. Multiply mm. these, but for, for every town that has maybe an office, that has something that is lit all night. And, and this is, this is a, a massive waste of, of, of resources, of, of, of public kind of, in a way, kind of public money, you know, it's, um, I think it's something we, we should consider as in, um, I don't know, as in maybe a small country because we, we, we don't have access maybe to, to resources like uh, other countries where maybe, you know, like take France, France has uh, their, their, their nuclear kind of plants mm. where maybe, maybe for them kind of, this is not such a big problem because they can, you know, they can say, okay, we sell you less electricity and we keep more for ourselves, which I think will happen sooner or later. Okay. Like, tell, tell me a bit about the business you're trying to get the best value electricity oh, for. Well, to be honest, the sad news, <laughs> there is no more business because I kind of, I had to take a decision before it's too late. So I, I kind of decided to, to, to not to operate anymore as a restaurant. As in, I have plans to downsize um, because it's not gonna be, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen for me. It's not gonna happen for many other people in the country and in other countries. Like this is uh, right now. This is I was listening. I don't know how many millions of businesses have closed so far in UK for the same reason because people can't keep up with their bills so, so you had a I restaurant luigi i venture it was called luigi's was it yeah yeah like i i'm not open at the moment i i i'm, I'm in the middle of kind of considering if closing down for good or downsizing and relocating somewhere else okay because because when you have big premises um You've got big rates it's a problem it's big, big, big everything. And, and even the, like, I keep getting these emails. I'm telling you, I promise myself not to open an email ever again on my days off, which is Monday and Tuesday, because I keep getting this. The last email I got was saying that potatoes are up in price now because we had a very hot, hot summer. Therefore, the crop was very poor and the prices of potatoes are up. Then I got an email from my beer supplier saying, okay, uh, your 24 case was 35, now it's 50, for example. And then my flour went up, my mozzarella went up, my tomato sauce went up. My problem is I cannot transfer these to my customers. You know what I mean? Or you become very bad value. No, it's it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'd rather lose a euro or two but then still allow people to come and get a margarita for 9.50. You know, if I put my margarita at 11, 12 euros like everybody else, people instead of coming once or twice or three times a week, they won't, they won't do it. They'd be like, okay, you know what? Things are, um, and I also think it would be hard for businesses like 
pubs and restaurants for the winter because at this stage, every household, especially if you drive a car to work, you'll be, you'll be three, four, 500 euro lighter on your pocket every month. Mm. If you put the increase in petrol, if you put the increase in electricity, we're going to start to see these in food in the supermarkets as well, because everything that goes on wheels will be, will be affected, you know, like if, if the supplier pays more to ship the food to their location, then from their location to deliver the food to the supermarkets, this cost will be reflected on, on the final product. So mm. everybody... There's, there, there's, a, there's a cost increase in every progressive element of the supply chain. I've been, I just came back from Italy to see my family and the situation there is desperate. It's so, so bad. So you're not so going to go back bad. under the new extreme right-wing government under Giorgio Maloney, no? <laughs> oh my God, I'm sorry. I was there when it's, it's so disappointing. I was watching and reading the media in Ireland and so many people were like, were almost happy because there is thing about the lefties. They call them the lefties. I think they refer to the, the left kind of... Um, the more socialist kind of parties. But they have no idea how bad this is. This this woman is against uh, LGBT rights. She's against minimum wage. She's against us. After decades and decades of fighting, we managed to get some sort of welfare system. And now she wants to scrap it because she says, no, you have no right to get free money. And honestly, people need to understand that every society has a group of people that is not intellectually able to do what everybody else does. For instance, go to school, study, and achieve maybe to become a, a solicitor, a lawyer, an engineer. Yeah, you, you, you speak a lot of sense, Luigi, and, and that's pretty much mirroring the situation that's happening in Sweden as well. Let, let me get back in, in the little time I've left to, to what are you going to do now? Your business is closed? Have you laid off people? Uh, well, I did already... This already happened, so I only have one. I, I was left with one person because we didn't have a very good summer either. You know, like mm. this hotel that was hosting around 500 people a, a day was sold to a company that now is basically only hosting refugees. So we lost this hotel, and this hotel will never come back. This mm. hotel will never come back. So as it stands, last summer was a bit of a disaster for me. Thank God for the Ironman because otherwise it would have been a nightmare. Yeah, the Ironman so was on in you all, but the, the, yeah. that's the irony of having a very hot summer in a, in a beach location, that you had a bad summer, business-wise. Yeah, because there was 500 people less a day yeah. that couldn't come and stay in you all. So the these 500 people weren't shopping, drinking, eating. Yes, the locals, the, 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 the Irish kind of moving around, let's say visiting from Dublin, Cork, mm. but that's not enough. Like, I know. Lu- Luigi, the, will, the, will you keep us in touch with your plans? Because I think people have bought course, into you now. Of course. You, you seem like a lovely them, person. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I like to, you know, I, I'm a bit of a prepper. I like to think ahead. To be honest, I don't want to be caught in something that I can't get myself out of. So okay. Maybe I a prudent decision now. then to close down for the yes, moment and yes. re-evaluate. That's like a, a, what I call a downsizing. You yeah. know, instead of having a big massive business, maybe it's, it's the case to, to go down to basics, do do what brings money in, you know, and, and keep going until this is over, which might take a year, this might take two years, yeah. you know, with this crisis, with them. Um, in a crisis, you need, you need to concentrate on income producing activities. 
Exactly. Although I doubt we will ever see those <laughs> petrol prices. Oh, I, I love your accent. Luigi, I have to go. <laughs> Thanks a million. <laughs> Thanks for listening to me. Uh, thank no you problem. very much. It's been a Take great care. pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you, Luigi. That's Luigi and y'all. Dan, thank you for holding her on line two. Uh, morning to you, Dan. Good morning, Mick. How are you going? Good. Now, you were uh, looking at pensions, were you? I was pensions. I know now it is back for a while. And they give they give uh, the pensioners in this country 12 euros a week. Right, and it's not coming until January. Isn't it? January, oh, I think, right? Very, very generous. If it was, if it was a rise, oh, if, if it was then, an annual rise, but they didn't get oh, any, of course. not even a fiver for the last three years. And then, and then I look at uh, Daniel. I know not a couple of years ago, Daniel McConnell's article on the pension pot of seventy-five million for those who failed the state. We had Bertie Harden, Brian Cong, Noel Dempsey, Mary Harney, Martin Cullen, and Daniel Harden, and all their pensions cost. Six million, six million, four million, five million, six million, four million. Some would say they did the state a service. Others would say they did the state. Well, yeah, but listen to me. Would would people ever realise in this country, right? Tis have bad enough to see them getting massive pensions, but massive lump sums as well. And I, uh, I would be in my band about them lump sums the whole time. And we had Bertie Hearn in the Ardesh when his name was mentioned. Now, I thought he got a cap. Now, somebody s- said to me he got a standing ovation for a man that got between 2001 and 2008. He got 18 salary increases. And that I didn't write that. Daniel McConnell wrote this. Okay. Eight, 18 separate increases. And one thing now, if you go as well. The judges in this country. No, I won't mention their names anyway. No, please don't. Re- I won't. No, definitely not. No, 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 no. 31 retired judges. Pensions, 70s and 80,000s, all the kind of, and lump sums, 195, 200,000, 300,000, all that kind of stuff. The, the, the lump sums are real make, sweeteners on top of the pensions, aren't they? But, but that's, that's what I'm on about. And if we, if they, if they leave that, that that uh, levy on the blocks, they'll never. I won't see the never anyway, but they'll never take it off. That's the same as same as the ICI uh, insurance thing that the Bank of Ireland bought off the government. They took the government. They got the government to buy it back off again, and the government put a levy on all our insurance. And couple, maybe ten years after, AIB made massive profits and wouldn't wouldn't give some of that money back to ourselves. Yeah, that's that's the thing with a tax, is that if it's if it's accepted and written in the finance bill into law, it's very very hard to take it off again. It is very hard, but see, look, look, Mike, I make they have no problem, they have no problems like uh, looking after themselves. That would seem no to, pr- look if in in their defence, what they will say is that we're, we're, we're only in line with public service agreements. We're only in line with pay increases due to the public sector. We are in the public sector. So we're legally entitled to these. Some of them, to be fair, hand, hand them back to the houses we, of the Yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we know that, right? We know all that. Some of the some of the TDs and all hand it back. But, like, there is no... There's no what? There's, it is no point in giving people, plus big pensions, big lump... What's the big lump sums about? You're and asking. people can... People can pay their race bills and people can put food on the table. People can put petrol into their cars. And look, if you listen to radio stations, there's people suffering very bad in this country. 
and we, we have all the, and then the retired ministers there, I'm looking at a couple of them there now, retired ministers, they're all appointed on the boards. Another maybe 30,000 or 40,000 a year. Yeah. And maybe more. That, that's maybe that's more. probably the natural way when you get out of politics is to go into the private sector uh, and take a board position and you'll have made lots of contacts and have certainly a, a, a measure and, of influence along the way to help that board. Don't you know it is? And inside information as well. We leave it there. Dan, thanks. Thanks, thanks, bye, 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 bye. thanks. I want to get to the texts of the day. Uh, impossible to read all the texts of yesterday, but see, let's see if we can get through them today. A shout out, my good friend Joe Conway and his wife Kathleen are 51 years married tomorrow. Mick might wish them a happy anniversary. He's a regular texter and caller to the show. That's from Dave McGrath. A happy anniversary. 51 years married tomorrow to Joe Conway and to Kathleen. And that's love from Dave McGrath. On the Injection Centre, morning Mick in relation to the Injection Centre. This is giving a licence to carry drugs. If caught, they could say, yes, guard, I'm off to the injection centre, to which the guard would have to say, OK, carry on. I'm not sure it's as black and white on that, but uh, fair point, I suppose. Uh, on the budget, who's that fool saying a good budget? That was probably me, trying to say it was a reasonable budget. The point I was trying to make, it was a reasonable enough budget. It has some fatal flaws, uh, but they left themselves wide open for an uppercut with the, uh, the concrete levy. I think that's what I was trying to say. But anyway, uh, oh my God, that man must have loads. It was a stupid, ridiculous budget. Uh, they get an instant raise, and for what? It's not like they're actually doing anything. They should be locked up, but us Irish are too stupid of a people. Goodbye, Ireland. I see it going daily. Sad, but this is the truth. That's uh, one complete text there on the budget. Uh, if you want to text us, it's 0868104106. What about the working people? What's in it for them? And I know uh, Neil covered heavily the budget topics last week. On FF and FG, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael both agree that taxpayers should be the source of last resource, question mark. Today's Daily Mail reports that taxpayers' money was being used to pay the electric bills of big business. Couldn't believe that. Uh, hadn't spotted that one coming in all those years ago, but apparently we still are subventing. Uh, Joe and Mary Public, the electricity, ordinary electricity users, still subventing big business uh, to keep their bills down. Uh, on the concrete, Mick, you called it the pyrite problem. Didn't you mean to say the pirate problem? Because that's how you feel every time our government decides to sneak in another stealth tax. Sean Quinn and some of his cohorts run the cement industry in the West and nothing will be done to them uh, as uh, Mr. Quinn um, is too prominent and uh, possibly does political favours. So there's zero accountability for those who caused the uh, pyrite is what that uh, caller is intending to say. As with all of these situations, the wrongdoers up high will be well protected by those in power, and we've seen plenty of that in the recent past. It was always easier to take a penny off a hundred poorer people than to take a pound off the rich man. And that's the way it's always been. On housing, if you think there's a housing crisis now, wait until the war in Ukraine is over. Uh, where do you think most of the builders in Europe will head then, says Pat. Now, we have many texts on energy this morning. Uh, pay as you go got the electricity credit during COVID. We got a code sent to our phones and then put the code in the meter. But with pay as you go, once the 10 euro emergency credit is up, it switches off at 9 a.m. Then you top up. If you're one cent short, it won't go back on. They can increase the emergency amount on the meter. Uh, pay as you go also went up last week and again yesterday. Uh, so says Desi. Now imagine Desi that the uh, 
um, if, if the electricity price is up, you'll still put in your tenner or your 20 or your 50 into the machine. It'll just run down quicker. Uh, I make a suggestion would be for the government to cover our standing charges for a few months. Then we'd all be in control of our bills. Loyal listener Pat. The tax office in Blackpool is the same. The lights are on all day and all night. Uh, if you have debt with Electric Ireland and you get a prepay meter, they'll add your debt to the meter. I hope that guy who just got a prepay meter knows that when he tops up by, say, a tenner, that maybe three or four euro of the top up will go towards his debt. Uh, he'll get the remainder as credit on his meter, and I hope he's aware of that. I've been on pay-as-you-go for years, and for the last uh, 200 euro we were given, the company sent us a code to put into the meter, and the 200 was added. So there should be no issues for us this time around, said Lisa. And just a few more. Uh, just received my monthly bill for the 2nd of September to the 1st of October for €532.75. Like, how are people supposed to pay extortionate bills like this on a monthly basis? There's a single income coming into the house. I'm trying to pay a mortgage and bills and put my son through college. Companies are making huge profits and are being so greedy, they keep putting up the prices. How is this fair and how are the government letting them get away with this? I work from home three days a week and have to travel an hour and a half uh, to work two days a week. With diesel prices also, I'm paying out way more each month and have nothing left to save. couple more texts. When you try to input your monthly reading online, it won't accept it. This is a disgrace. They should be ashamed of themselves. There are people out there who can't afford to feed themselves or their families. Also, they can keep lights on. All the, also, they can keep lights on in the house. At last, somebody is talking about this. I'm sick of having to say this to Electric Ireland. It costs nearly 20 to 30 euro a call for a long time and other companies. Why is a helpline there to support the public, the customers of this company, charging 2.95 a minute for help, for support, and listening to the incessant uh, answering machine, your call is important to us. A load of baloney. 20 to 30 euros. 2.95 a minute. I'd love to get someone from Electric Ireland to explain that one, if it is true. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Tuesday morning, October 4th, coming up on 10.30. Good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show. Back to our phone lines in a moment, but I want to mention our Glentree Furniture giveaway. It's €200 euro away giveaway, two hundred euro a day giveaway in voucher form that you can spend in store or online. So you have a choice of where you can and what way you can spend it. So there's going to be an extra winner on Friday as well after we give away the fifth uh, €200 euro voucher. Somebody, one of the five, is going to get a Lazy Boy Spectator chair. The same luxury leather recliner that Joey and Chandler famously fell in love with on Friends. And there's going to be a Friends connection here because it's going to be a Friends head-to-head trivia quiz where the winner takes home the Lazy Boy Spectator chair worth 1958 The bones are two grand. So every day this week, there's going to be a famous person hiding behind the sofa to begin with a chance of winning that €200 Euro voucher for Glentree Furniture, whom are in Dunmanway, by the way. And then you need to identify who this person is. But don't call now. We'll open the lines just before the end of the programme. But have a careful listen. It is your claim that you left because of untenable circumstances and you want your entire $5,000 back. That's not going to happen. Okay, those uh, somewhat rude-sounding noises is somebody just trying to position themselves comfortably on the sofa, okay? Uh, although I'd say if you made that kind of noise in front of today's celebrity guest hiding behind the couch, you might be locked up for a while. Uh, but anyway, you can go to online or in person at Lentry Furniture in Dunmanway and check out their huge selection of furniture, including sofas and corner sofas, armchairs, tables and chairs, sideboards, beds, mattresses, slide robes, 
wardrobes, chests, lamps, pictures, rugs, carpets, flooring, you name it. The list is endless at Glentree Furniture Centre. 200 euro to give away uh, just before midday when we open the lines. Now, thanks for holding a very busy programme today. Mags Tobin is on line three. Hi, Mags. Hi, Nick. Mick. Okay, this is a serious story. It's a, st- a story of almost loss. Uh, thankfully not. Um, but it's also a story of a near drowning accident in Crete. Uh, in Greece on the 29th of July. Tell me the story. How did it happen and how did you find out about it? Um, on the 30th of July, um, we got a phone call at 8 o'clock in the morning that Jonathan was found floating face down in the water, seemingly he was there for about 12 minutes. Um, there was a child, found him floating, and he called his dad and they dragged him out and they gave him CPR on the beach for 20 minutes until the ambulance came. So they brought him to the local hospital, which had, didn't have the facilities for him. So they drove him two and a half hours down to the mountains, down to um, the university hospital in Heretian. Okay, so what, what, is, what area of Crete was he in? He was in Satia. Okay. That's it. Yeah, he was living there for 12 months, the last 12 months. And no, no idea how he came to be face down in the water? No, no. Nobody see him going in. The beach was packed. They thought he was snorkeling, actually. Okay. So they, he was on life support for six weeks. They did brain scans, MRIs and everything. And there's actually at the moment, there's, there's no brain activity. So he's out of ICU at the moment. He's in um, a ward on his own. He, we were just back. We, we went over actually for 10 days when it happened. And 12 days, sorry. And we actually went over again. We're just back since yesterday. Um, okay. We have to, we have to get him home and... You know, what, well, what was the reality of, of of going to visit? Number one, were you allowed in? Number two, I guess he's in a oh, yeah. in a persistent vegetative yeah. state now, is he? He is, yeah. Okay. He um he can open one eye, he can blink one eye, he's move his mouth a little, but he's getting a lot, a lot of seizures. You but know, but can he signal with that one eye that he can understand no, you? No, 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 nothing at all. We were talking to him for hours and hours. There's no. There's no recognition. Okay. Tell me about no. the Jonathan that left you all to go to Crete. He was here. He, was, he went to England um, for about four or five years before the COVID. The COVID started. He came home. He was here for about 12 months and then he decided to go to Crete. He was actually working with um, a friend of his in, in England and they decided he, he was actually Greek. Greek descendant, his dad is a Greek, and he went over, so Jonathan decided to go for a couple of weeks at the time. That was a couple of years ago. He went over for three weeks, and he liked it there, so he decided to go over and live over there. What, what type of person was he? Yeah. Outgoing, active? Oh, oh, very, very, yeah. yeah. He was actually a plasterer. Great snooker player. He won the Munster Championships there a good few years ago, and it was a 2000, I think. No, he was great, you know, very friendly. No, but now looking at him, it's heartbreaking. How old is he, Mags? 41. 41. Mm. So much of life ahead of yeah. him. What, what, what is the likelihood for improvement on his condition? You see, he keeps getting infections. And, and, you know, um, the lungs. But when we were over on the Tuesday, the doctor said he could not travel because of the infections. They said he might die in place. Just to get an air ambulance home. So it has so, to be air ambulance. It has to be air ambulance, yeah. It has to be a doctor on board. 
So we actually went down to Satia then uh, for two days to go we went down to get his belongings. We packed them the first time we were over and his landlady kept on to them for us. So we went down there for two days and we picked up his belongings. And th- that was a very, very hard thing to do to pack up his apartment, you know. Mm-hmm. Knowing that he's not going to ever go back there. That so must have been heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and what, what, was, he, was he due to come back to you, home to you all at he some was, stage? Actually, he was on the 7th of September. His dad was picking up at the airport. He had his ticket now about... No. And this happened what date? Twenty ninth of July. Of July, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, what were you doing? It was early in the morning, was it? What were you doing when you got the call? It was twenty past eight in the morning, and it, and we, um, his friend, actually didn't know because he was actually thrown into jail for the night because he was cycling his motorbike with a few drinks in him. He didn't know until eight o'clock in the morning. We'd take two hours ahead, you see. So it would have been 10 o'clock there and yeah. when he got out he, he rang me at 20 past 8 in the morning and said the janitor was in a bad accident. He actually didn't drown. There was no water in his lungs. They thought he got a stroke or a heart attack. There was so much brain damage done now they'll never know. No. But he's actually his mouth actually is kind of a little bit lopsided but we think that it was probably more than likely a stroke. Could have been Bell's palsy or, or a mini stroke then, could it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they were thinking. And they said on his medical report that it was it was heart related. So, okay. Yeah. And uh, and if if he was face down in the water, he he didn't swallow water. That would kind of let he me. Didn't, no, no, there was no water in his lungs. That's the strange thing about it. And his mouth was shut tight. But he he would have been oxygen deprivated, would he? He would, oh yes, for twelve minutes in the water they reckon, and twenty mm. minutes on on shore. He was um, thirty two minutes without oxygen. Well, wow. all in all. But, but he was receiving CPR, so there was some oxygen. Oh, he, yes, he was on the beach yeah. Yeah. for 20 minutes. They okay. got a pulse. They got a pulse on the beach. All, all, all going well. If, if you raise the money to repatriate him here, uh, it's going to yeah. take an air ambulance, it's going to take a, yeah. um, you know, a top medical team and all of that. What's the prognosis here? Is there a hospital to accept him? Would there be any well, improvement in his chances of, of coming out no. of it? No, there's no improvement. He, won't, he will not be rehabilitated. We were told that. We, they put the cards on the table, they told us. But his life expectancy, he could die, still die in flight on the way home. Because they told us on Thursday when we came back to Satia that he looked, take him home, there's no more that they can do. He's, he still has the infections, but it's actually mild at the moment. He can actually fly now at the moment. You know, the infections are mild. But he said that, you know, with the air, the, the altitude, you know, the lungs and that, Mm-hmm. You know, he might he might not make the flight. Although he'd be on pressurised oxygen in in, yeah. in an air ambulance. Oh, he will. Yeah, he actually has a tricky track, track mm. me. Yeah. Would it be bold of me to ask how, how did he look when you saw him? Was it the normal Jonathan, or was oh, there the obvious no signs way, of no, a possible no, no. stroke? Or? Terrible. Terrible. He didn't, did he? Look pale. Very, very, and his body mass now is his skin and bone because you know they're feeding him through the nose, you know, with the just kind of liquid food. Okay. Yeah, he's no, he's no muscles or anything. Which hospital here will he arrive back to? Well, we're hoping we have um, a TD working for us, and he was, he was, he said that we heard from him last Friday, and he said he was speaking to the top man in the CUH. We're hoping to get him there, near home. So I'm waiting back from him now. Okay. Hear now from him this Friday. But the costs are going to be huge. Yeah. Now, I know you have a GoFundMe, and I'll, I'll give that out at, at, at the end yeah. of the interview. Um, 
the hospital bill is okay over because it was um, a general hospital that's that sorted. Okay. We don't have we don't have to cover that. So you've been flying over and back to Crete. You went once anyway, haven't you? We went twice. twice. Oh, you went we twice. Okay. Yeah, first thing happened. We were there for twelve days. Yeah. What sort of aftercare is he going to need? Well, we actually don't know where we're at the end of the day because he just there's no. He's been just lying lying in the bed on oxygen. It's all you know. And if there's if there's no hope of recovery, and I know this is a very cruel question. Yep. Did they ever ask you, or have you ever considered um, turning off his machine, turning off the life support? Yeah, we have discussed it, but they said they can't because his heart is still beating. Okay, he's actually still still alive. You know, and there's no minuscule chance at all that things might improve. No, No. with the brain damage that's there. Okay, but he's Irish, and you'd like him here. He's he's, yep. he's he's your flesh and blood, uh, yep. so so money needs to be raised. I know there's a GoFundMe. You've yep. only got three thousand one hundred thirty-five raised, so you've about forty forty-one forty-one thousand yep. to go. Uh, yep. How can people support that? You see, we put up. My friend of mine put up. We actually think it needs to go viral, but we I don't know how to do anything like that. Like, yeah, you know, it'll, it'll go viral if people uh, begin to retweet it and repost it, and and you yeah. know. Recirculate it to yeah. their friends. Exactly. See, it, it's it's an old story now. You see, it happened nine and a half weeks ago. You know, it's kind of an old story now because we were told not to put it up by the consulate until Irish, the Irish, the HSC will accept them. Okay. That's what we were told, yeah. So it's a GoFundMe, loosely along GoFundMe.com with the words please-help-to-get-jonathan-tobin-giles-home. It's a bit of a handle. Please help to get Jonathan Tobin Giles home. Yeah. How much of an ease would it be for you to have him here oh, in, back in County Cork? It's, you wouldn't know how much the ease would be for, for us and for I have two other sons and my mum and dad and He's, you know, his aunts and uncles. Mm. All, all of whom can't be heading over and back to Crete. No, no, no. The expense is just crazy. And she's in the middle of the season then as well, we went over the first time, you know. Mm. And the heat, and you would just want to see him home and oh, be made comfortable oh, here, yeah, is it? Just, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, he, we, don't, we don't think he's, he'll have that much left, but we just, you know, for what time he does have left. He's actually kind of breeding on his own there at times as well. You know, without the tracheostomy, and, but he's actually—he's not on. We say life support, but it's just helping him to breathe. Okay, so he's not on life support. He's able to breathe now and no. again. He's able to breathe by himself. Yeah, yeah. Does it make you yeah. a, a silly question? I guess you're obviously faced with the inevitability here um, yeah. by telling me that he's—he's he's not long for the world. Yep. But you feel he deserves to be here at home when, when that moment yep. comes. You feel he deserves to be comfortable with his family yep. around him. Um, yep. How does it feel to know, though, he doesn't have much time left? And do you think time will run out before yep. before your GoFundMe? That's, that's just what we're afraid of. Yeah. You know, he's there too long now. He's over there for nine and a half weeks and we just want him home here. So can I ask you then, because some people may say, what's the point? Some people yep. may say, she's right. He yeah. does deserve to be here. That mother deserves to have her son here, exactly. even if yeah. there is no chance. And I'm sorry if I'm yeah. being cruel. I know you're not sure. It's, it's facts. We've been told that it, by the doctors. 
it's the facts. You know, we just we don't want him to die over there on his own. Okay. So so make make a personal appeal yourself then. Take thirty seconds yeah. or whatever you need, Max Tobin, to get your son home. Just for people just to kinda of donate anything they can, five or ten or anything, just to get him home as soon as possible because he is actually fit to travel now. And we just want him home. And to get him we haven't we haven't been told he has a bed in the sea rate or anything yet, so we are open that he will have. So it's just important, more important. We're we're supposed to organise the air ambulance. We don't know how to do things like that. Yeah, but the, the funding will make a big yeah. difference. Then the doors will open. Oh, then yeah. the availability will yeah. come. So yeah. it's in it's in GoFundMe. Yeah. You'll find it in Help. Now there's loads of dashes between these words. Okay, uh, yeah, but, the, but the dash takes away the message. Yeah. Please help to get Jonathan Tobin Giles home. Is what you'll find yeah. it on GoFundMe. Mags, very brave of you to come on. Very brave situation you're facing. No, uh, and it, it does seem like a, you know, it does seem like there's never going to be a happy ending. But at least yeah, the no. happiest of endings for you will, will be that if he were to be taken from you, that it's here locally in Cork, exactly. surrounded by family. Exactly. Uh, and you never know that miracle, that, you know, that million to one miracle yeah. might, might deliver some measure Hopefully. of recovery down the line. I'm not medical, but you never know. I know, I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, Mags, thank you so much for being so no so problem. open and honest. And I'm sorry if some of the yeah. questions were tough. Not at all. No, no, we, we, we know it's, it's the facts, like we've been told. Yeah. Thanks very much, Mags. Mags Not Tobin. Yeah. In your. Thank you. Bye bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Good morning and 13 minutes to 11 on the Neil Prenderville Show. Neil returning on Monday morning after news at 9. This is Mick Mulcahy. And uh, back to our lines and to Sean on line one. Hi, Sean. Hello. Hi. How are you? Very right. good. Very good. Yourself. Now, you went, you're in the UK, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been here about 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Haven't lost the accent, though. Oh no no! You never lose it. <laughs> you can you can take you can take the the scene out of cork, but you can't take the cork out of the scene. You do. You, you know you do. And it, people tell me you, you tend to lose it if you're musical or heavily musical. That you you'll get the oh. intonations of a place. I mean, I have a buddy from I have a buddy from Cork, and when he when he speaks to me from, uh, he's he's between Texas and Georgia, right? And he talks oh, to yeah. me. He says, "Man, that's badass." Thinking, oh you're, yeah, I mean, like you're from Cork, uh, the country in western stars out there yeah. have their own accents. Like you know, you have to pick it up in some way. Like you know, well, well you wouldn't know you were talking to me from just down the road anyway. So you went to your local Tesco Express. That's a big thing in the UK, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's like um, it's the equivalent would be like the Centras that you had, or uh, what's the other big one? Uh, there's Super Values here. There's Super Values yeah, here. Super value. yeah, yeah, there's yeah, Gala yeah. here, and, and and you know. Credit to them all. There's yeah. Tesco Express here as well, by the way. But you couldn't get any milk oh, or yeah. bread. Shelves are completely empty. Yeah. Yeah, over here, yeah. Completely I, I, empty. I thought that was a kind of a COVID thing. No, no, they still are. They absolutely still are. Um, like, I couldn't believe it. It's just a comparison. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, when I went over to Dublin at Easter, right? And I just went to, the, you know, the local centre or the local spa and all the shelves are completely full. So like, wow, I haven't seen that in probably three three years over here. That probably, and I'm just surmising, that probably has yeah. a lot to do with the increased linkage or land bridging. We have extra ships coming yeah. into Cork. We have many, many extra services now continentally into Rosslare. Yeah. Um, yeah. Extra into Dublin, I would venture as well. Uh, yeah. as, as we avoid the UK land bridge and, and, and the consequent customs problems yeah. that, that, that are, have, let's call a spade a spade here, They've been caused by yeah. Brexit. It's Brexit. It is absolutely. I'm. I'm. And I mean, I don't mean to kind of 
uh, criticised, you know, poor areas. I, I'm not that kind of, but I'm, I'm living in a kind of well-off area in the south of England and I can't get bread in the morning. You know? And there's Literally. Like, there's 14 or 15 times the number of people on the island you're on than the island I'm on right now. Yeah. So supply yeah. chain is yeah. of the utmost importance. Keeping food uh, in, you know, on keeping the food chain going uh, would seem to yeah. be the number one priority. And, and, and yeah, and what's the reason for it? Is is it delivery costs, unavailability of drivers? What Wait, is it? It is in the supply chain. The, the, the supply chain is basically breaking down. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I said to your researcher, I can, I'll, I'll take photos for you every day in my local express, Tesco Express, just to prove it. If you want, okay. You literally cannot get bread. Okay. Well, where else could you shop that you would get bread? Um, it's, it's lots of different Tesco Expresses that happens with, and even the big supermarkets, they constantly run out of staples as well. Okay, what they're, about they're Waitrose? Never, aren't they Asda? Aren't they big brands over there? Uh, they're big brands as well, but then you get supply chain issues and sometimes, like, it, it depends on which, what, what you're looking for, but like the basics, um, they do sometimes run out. I mean, it's quite regular. Even in the big supermarkets, you find shelves empty. You okay. really do. What about other yeah. essentials, like coal, firewood? Um, coal and firewood is really hard to get now because they used to sell it on every petrol, uh, you know, petrol station. Every forecourt, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're not sold anymore. You can't, you can't buy them um, because of, um, they've introduced new pollution regulations and stuff like that. And the downside of that is you can't, you have to really look hard to get a bag of coal. You really have to look hard to get it. So they're only supplying coal then from probably registered coal suppliers and yeah, not ad hoc from, from forecourts. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's impossible to get them from forecourts now, absolutely impossible. And you know with the red tops and, and you know the fact that they're not afraid to say anything, they, they'll be pro one party, be it Labour or Conservative or whatever. Uh, how how yeah. come this isn't being, um, you know, how come it's not out in the mainstream news? Um, because everybody in the media over here is completely ignoring it. You know, you know what you know what amazes me that the the, the British media and 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 even the the Labour now Keir Starmer and his party were fiercely uh, strong supporters of Brexit, but nobody will admit that anything that's ailing in the UK yeah. has anything to do with Brexit. Exactly that. Yeah, exactly. That nobody is admitting it. Not even in in the media. Very, I mean, nobody is admitting it. Um, you won't see any of that on, like, mainstream TV media. There's no anti-Brexit voices anymore over here. And, no uh, is, is this the, the British stiff upper lip? We'll just, we've come through a war, we've saved Europe. Oh, yeah. Now oh, we'll stand on our own. Yeah, it's all World War Two and Winston Churchill. Yeah, they, we, they, they still think that they're going through World War Two. M- meanwhile, the it's Chancellor of the Exchequer at the stroke of a pen can crash the British currency, can crash the British economy, can crash the British mm-hmm. bond market, can crash the pension system, can crash the mortgage yeah. system, uh, and yeah. it has, has to do a very embarrassing U-turn. Um, yeah, yeah, and as well as that, I mean, the contrast, because I followed um, Pascal Donahue's budget, because that was within a few days, I think that was like last week or this week? It was last Tuesday. This day last yeah, week, yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. the contrast couldn't be, on, couldn't be, like, I mean, the contrast was just absolutely enormous. You could see what you're doing in Dublin is kind of fairly competent. I mean, nothing really bad happens compared to what happened over here. Um, the, like the pension industry nearly collapsed over here. The Bank of England had to invest about uh, 65 billion in one day. I, 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 saw, I saw some retweeted 
um, statements last night where some British backbenchers are calling for the reinstatement of Boris Johnson. Uh, yes, that is actually, um, that is, yeah, that's that's on the cards, absolutely. That's absolutely on the cards, he might come back. And they're looking at Liz Truss resigning by the end of the year, if not sooner. Well, Liz, Liz Truss as new Prime Minister and her Chancellor of the Exchequer, Quasi Quartang, uh, they're big, big yeah. believers in trickle-down economics. Uh, yeah, but it has, it's never trickled down to the north of England. I mean, just pay a visit to the north, north of England yourself and just have a look. Uh. There's no trickle down. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, if you go to places, I mean, kind of not well-off areas like Bradford or Rotherham or, you know, those areas up in the old mining towns, I mean, their standard of living is, is about half of what you see in Ireland. It's unbelievable. Yeah, because Britain, like America in that sense, have pockets, have areas, yeah. have little conclaves. Uh, where, yeah. where, where the class difference is is very very evident, they have destitute yeah. poor areas, uh, and they yeah. have the best of affluence in other areas. And, and kind of yeah. trickle down economics to me. Uh, I was never a believer in, in it. If, if a local homeless man uh, could be given a tenner, and instead you walk up to your local millionaire's electric gate and say, uh, "There's a tenner. I just want to give it to you because I know ultimately, with my belief in trickle down economics, that will help the homeless person one day." Yeah. It's yeah, completely yeah, of rubbish. The actual homeless problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's trickle down economics. No, o- o- over here, um, notwithstanding the fact that we have major issues in health and homelessness and cost of living and all of that, but we're, you know, yeah. with, with the exception of some areas in Ireland, we're pretty much even when, when, when it comes to. And we've had blanket um, giveaways in the budget that would have been much better if they could have been targeted. But very, yeah. very complicated to do so. That means everybody, even yeah. though uh, there are people who need it very badly and people who don't need it at all are going to get some of the benefits from the budget. Uh, and that's yeah. probably unavoidable. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, all in you all... You have to react to world events. I mean, at, it's understandable. Yeah. At least we were in a position uh, to offer. Uh, some people will shoot me down for this, but it, it, it's the largest budget in state history. Uh, it's the yeah. largest give-outs in state history. Whether you want to fight the fact that it's uh, it is of any use or not, what's happening in the teeth of a, of a huge recession here? Uh, and, well, it's, it's I suppose it's a cost-driven recession we're looking at because it's it's yeah. getting very expensive to live. But uh, at least yeah. we were in a position, principally thanks to the take from the corporate. Uh, you know, the, the corporate taxation has been a, a boon this year. But but yeah. Britain is not in that position. No. No, it's not. And they're actually, the other thing linked to the corporate taxation issue, um, the other thing part of that budget was getting rid of the, um, the, uh, the ban on bankers' bonuses. So at the one, on the one hand, when all the bankers are now going to be getting their bonuses again over in the city, um, you know, people are facing you know, mortgage increases and all manner of inflation-busting stuff. You know? But the bankers' bonuses will trickle down. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're saying. I know, I know. But the funny thing is, I, I came across this on a. Oh, it might have been David Mac Williams or Chris Johns, one of those economists, one of their podcasts, I think. And they were pointing out that um, most um, of the uh, the actual revenue generation operations of the British banks or the financial institutions in the city of London, they've all started to move out of the city, out, out of London. So what's being left in London is basically administrative staff. So basically, 
their money make, like the, the revenue generation bit of these financial um, uh, organisations is, is being moved into Europe. Yeah, and a, a so lot of them came across to Dublin, actually. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, a lot. I probably had yeah, to leave so it there because we've got news coming up, but uh, as an Irishman living yeah. in England, you see a very bleak winter ahead, do you? I'm in the midst of um, selling up and moving back. Are you? To be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, I'm getting out of here. Where, where the Absolutely. supply chain can give you bread and milk on a daily basis and you don't have to worry about it. I was literally, I'm not joking, I was bowled over by the local centre. I couldn't believe the amount of stuff they were selling there. Okay. The stark difference. That's but, the contrast, yeah. But, you know, yeah. as as with history and, and the way the British teach their children selective parts of history... Oh, they uh, don't even teach them, even to this day, hardly anybody over here even knows about Ireland. Yeah. It's not, it's like you don't exist. Yeah, we're just a. You know? Yeah, we're just, just an afterthought. Yeah. Gotta leave it there. Very, yeah. uh, very intriguing talking to you, Sean. Thanks very much. And uh, we've no been, Thanks, Emil. News at 11 on the way, and then we'll give you more details of our Glen Tree Furniture Centre Dunn Manway competition. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show And a very good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show Seven and a half minutes past eleven This is Mick Mulcahy I want to give uh, a big mention now to our Glentree Furniture Centre competition uh, Before the business of the programme And take some time away I want to give them uh, their due mention uh, And it, this is a family business run in Dunmanway Well worth supporting Glentree Furniture Centre Dunmanway Aiming to deliver what they call a white glove service Meaning they deliver and assemble their furniture And in the unlikely event that there are any issues They look after those issues with the utmost care and confidence and always strive for 100% customer satisfaction. You couldn't ask for much more actually in a furniture provider and what a range they supply. Sofas, armchairs, corner sofas, tables and beds, sideboards, mattresses, beds, slide robes, wardrobes, chests, lamps, pictures, rugs, carpet and flooring with the best brands there as well. And we have recorded uh, some celebrities and you should know these celebrities, even though they're muffled because they're behind the Glentree Furniture Sofa. Now, somebody is trying to settle themselves on the sofa and this is meant to be a distraction. Otherwise, we'll make it too easy for you. This is going to be a phone-in competition today. It was text yesterday, but we nearly blew up the text machine. So we're going to do a phone-in competition today closer to 12 o'clock. So who is the celebrity behind the Glentree Furniture Sofa? It is your claim that you left because of untenable circumstances and you want your entire $5,000 back. That's not going to happen. Okay, a little bit muffled there, but uh, if you have it, if you have the name, write it down or take note of it mentally and when we open the lines, you're going to have a chance to win a 200 euro voucher with Glentree Furniture Dunmanway. You can spend it in store or online and on Friday, what a whopper of a prize. It's worth, and they're very particular and accurate in Glentree. It's not worth two grand. It's worth €1,958. So that is the value of the Lazy Boy Spectator Chair, much loved on Friends with Joey and Chandler. Uh, And we're going to have a Friends head-to-head competition on Friday as well. Okay, so that's our Glentree Furniture Centre competition. Back to our phone lines and to Annette on line one. Hi, Annette. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm not too bad, you? I'm Enjoying good. the drizzle. <laughs> Enjoy, enjoying the drizzle. Uh, there were That's times it, yeah. we were there, there were times we were praying for it in the in the, in the very very hot week of the summer. There, people were pray, uh, praying. So people were walking into supermarkets, it, going into the cold area for a bit of air conditioning. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now, far no, from I'm air good. conditioning, you are. You're on prepay power. You're there for five years, and you've yeah. seen uh, you've seen quite a hike in the price uh, of what you're using, at least. Can you tell us about it? Well, what it is when we first started, we went on to prepay power because my husband's on disability, so we had to know what we were spending when. And um, when we first started, our electric was about twenty euro a week. And then we had some modifications done by our landlord a couple of years ago and our place went completely electric. So it worked out our electric is now 40 euro a week with the hikes off of prepay power as well. Now that does include our standing charge of 6 euro odd. Okay. So our actual electric's about 30 a week, but that's with no heating on. Yeah, this must include an element of heating though, does it? No? No heating at all. Okay, so what were you heating the house with prior to the modifications? Uh, before it was oil heating and that also done our hot water. But the landlord separated all the units so we went completely electric. Okay. So what's life like now in these straightened times as as, as you try to keep the meter ahead of the consumption? Uh, <laughs> well, basically, we don't put lights on during the day. <laughs> Looks like we're living in a cave because we've only got little windows in our house. But okay. um, we've learned to economise by instead of doing say a complete white wash, we'll do a mixed wash instead and we'll do it on a quick load, which will cost us about 62 cents instead of doing a boil load for 180. Okay, and, and you, you, you can see this, like of course, because the meter is, is, is running it, yeah. down, down your credit. Yeah. Like we know for an average shower, it costs 17 cents. You know, <laughs> there's ways of finding out exactly what you spent, and it's brilliant that way. It's brilliant that way because it does make you super aware of uh, of what's burning your power. Yeah, every single penny. Can I um, ask one of our big? Can I ask? On. Have you ever tried turning off? You know, plugging out, switching off TVs and microwaves, and that? I know you can't do it with the fridge, but uh, you know, even the cooker with the with, with the timer flashing and the clock is is that kind yeah, of things you'd switch off at night, or does it make any difference? We haven't switched them off ever because of a night time, even though the TV, uh, the skybox, the uh, internet router and the digital thing on the cooker are on, uh, the fridge and the freezer, yeah, it costs us about three cents I mean, uh, an hour. Okay. So overnight is very, very minimal because we don't use anything. Okay. So you've been experimenting with your usage and you've been experimenting oh, with ways yeah. to save. Um, yeah. So what, what about the immersion? If you had to turn on the immersion, <laughs> how much is that going to cost you? Right. We had our immersion on all summer and I said to my husband when the other hikes came in, I said, something's eating our electric because, like I said, it suddenly shut up to 40, 40, sometimes using the emergency as well, so that would be 50 euro a week we were using with no heating. And I was like, there's something going on so we switched the immersion off last Wednesday and found out in a week we saved just over 10 euro on electric by turning it off. Okay, that's 520 <laughs> euros a year. But where are you going to get hot water? The only way we were using it for the week was washing up, was done by kettle. And if you wanted to have a shave, you put the shower thing into the sink so that you can have a shave over the sink with a mirror and things like that. It's not practical for a family. Yeah. But 10 euro a week... I would, Over the summer, uh, uh, sorry, I, I imagine a shower would cost cost more to fill to fill a sink for shaving than maybe a, a lukewarm kettle would, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. And the kettle's the other route; they would take the kettle upstairs and fill up the sink with it. So, I think we're going to switch it back on anyway because of the winter. Because 
it's I can imagine what it'd be like with a family trying to do this. We're only a couple and we've got a dog, you know. So for us it's quite simple to do. We can make savings that way, but any family that's on prepay power, you can see exactly where your money's going. You know, things that run the electric higher like Xboxes, dishwashers, uh, like you said, microwaves. These are all things that we keep off unless we're actually using them. It's quite an eye-opener to put it in and actually use it. And, Annette, we're delighted to have you on because you're doing quite the public service here. You've done a little bit more <laughs> research uh, than most people would do. Uh, so you've discovered the immersion you're using for hot water um, is, is a tenner a week. So what do you do now? You just turn it on when you need it, get one fill of hot water and use it, is it? That's the way we use it, yep. So when we actually do the washing up in the evening, which it doesn't look too good because you've got plates and things on the side, but like I said, there's only two of us, so we turn it on leave it on for an hour and then switch it back off. And that's actually brought the bill down to about €2.50 to use the hot water a week. Wow, so okay. that's a lot better. So what about radiators? Do you have radiators in the premises? Yeah, we don't use those. They have these lovely new funky radiators fitted and hmm, they're electric and to run three of them costs €23 Euro a day. I thought that was a misprint. I thought it was no, €23 Euros a week. No, no, it's a day. 23 euros a day, so that'll be 150 yeah. odd. It would. For a week. <laughs> we haven't got that. 160. For a week. <laughs> yeah. Now that's a full day, and leave them on for 24 hours, is it? It was so expensive. Sorry? That's a full day, if you left them on for 24 that's hours. That's a full day, you know when it gets really cold in the winter, it's 23 euro a day yet. Okay. We haven't got that. Yeah, but if you needed them for an hour in the teeth of the winter, you, you know it's going to cost you a euro an hour per se. Yes, exactly. But we went out and got a friend loaned us their, um, you know, the gas bulb heaters? Yes. Super serves, yeah. We got loaned one of those and we've got one of them upstairs and we've also went out and bought an eight thin oil radiator, which basically just stands in the living room all year, in the winter and it costs us 23 cents an hour to keep it on low setting. So that keeps the cold out as well. So, so you can you can have that on for you can have that on for ten hours for two thirty, which is ten yeah. percent of what it would uh, be to have your electric ones, the other electric ones, on for a day. Yeah, <laughs> and that seems affordable. Yeah, it is. It's a lot more affordable. It's you know, we just had to find ways to economise because it was just getting so expensive. And do you find that like the gas heaters else. cause any sort of condensation upstairs? No, we've never had a problem yet. I mean, we do air the house out every day, regardless of it's all thick outside. We still open the doors and let the air in because, obviously, it's not going to have all the fumes from a gas heater floating around in a house. Yeah. And, you know, but we do open the house for at least 10 minutes a day, but we've had no problems with condensation, no. Okay. So the oil-filled rad seems to be the cheapest heat you're getting, is it? Yes. It's a, oh, It's brilliant. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't get rid of that. I'm just, I hope it lasts another winter, to be honest, because <laughs> it's very good. They're not, a, they're not that expensive to buy. They're in all of the, the major electrical outlets, I think. Yeah, you can pick them up for between 60 and 70 euro. It depends on, you know, we just went for a cheap one. I didn't care about the brand. I just needed something to keep the chill out. And I think we got ours for, on special for 55 or something, so... And do you know with all of your research how much your prepay power unit is compared to other offers out there like ESB or Board Gash or uh, Electric Ireland? 
That bit I don't know, but I know we were looking into going on to a paper bill. And when you work out the standing charge, the fact that we know how much it's going to cost us a week, if I ended up after a month with a bill of like 300 euro, I think I would actually collapse. Mm. Because it would all come together. It might be costing me 40 euro a week, but it's 40 euro a week, not, you know. 160 for the month. Which, yeah, it could which be 320 for two months instead of 300. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so to have so, the, the complete fluidity of, of looking at every appliance in the house and see yeah. how much it's running down your credit uh, has been a research element unto itself, but it, it's certainly paying you off. It is, definitely. I mean, we've also got a fan oven, which, of course, cooks more, cooks quicker and cooks more efficiently. So... That saves us a bit of electric as well, even though the start-up of it is more expensive than a normal electric cooker. Yeah. But, in the, you know, I'll do dinner and dessert while the oven's still hot, cook that. So it's working out that everything gets done while we're using the one appliance. Yes, it, I, I, I understand. So when, yeah. you, when you get this €200 Euro credit that's being signed off by Cabinet today, you, you, yes. you'll know that's going to give us more or less, going to cover us for about five weeks, is it? It is indeed, yeah. It's going to be brilliant because... We'll be able to put the oil radiator on. If it gets really cold upstairs, stick the electric radiators on for a couple of hours just to warm the rooms up. And it's going to take so much pressure off. It really is. Yeah, when you break down the three by 200 that you're getting, one before Christmas, two after Christmas, it's working out, if, if we're going to call winter October to the end of March, it's working out about 23 euros a week. Yep. That's so, huge. Yeah, that's big. <laughs> That's huge. That's big. That's huge for us. That's big when when you manage your electricity like you're doing. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, I'm just keeping an eye on everything because I can't sit around in a house that's freezing cold. Like I said, my husband's on disability, so I have to make sure he's comfortable, the house is comfortable, you know. Yeah. Just juggling it to make sure that everything keeps going and we don't, you know, freeze. And do you, do you, wor- do you worry about either. rolling blackouts over the winter? That is absolutely terrifying me, but I suppose we have a bit more of a handle on that because we do get quite a few power cuts in Boyne over the winter, and they can be three or four days long. So we've got like a camping stove and candles and torches and very thick pyjamas would be the answer to that as well. But Do you, do you, do some, do you sometimes feel, though, that in this digital age of enlightenment and progression and wokeness and all of this, that in another area we're heading kind of back into the dark ages, lighting our yeah. houses with candles and gas, uh, you know, gas. We, we have a, uh, my dad gave me a small little gas um, boiler, if you like, for just making hot water in the, yeah. uh, it's, it's just a little Primus thing and you, you, you screw a gas, a uh, handheld gas bottle into it. Works brilliantly okay. for, 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 for making a pot of water for tea, you know? Yeah. While you sit around it's a candle uh, and wonder what yeah. the, <laughs> and we can't even flush our toilet because that's done by a well so <laughs> it's even more pleasant <laughs> and that's been lovely talking to you and I salute your positive you. outlook on, on life and uh, thank you for uh, the you research have because it's so easy to get depressed over these things but I just hope that you know if people go on to prepay power at least they can see exactly what they're using and it takes a little bit of stress out of it it has for us anyway yeah, so, so some people say that, that it costs more um, you know, the, the pay-as-you-go or the, or the prepay meters. Uh, but you're yeah. certainly an advocate for it. I think they should give you a little marketing bonus now for them. Ah, no, definitely not. I don't want them thinking that. 
But for us, it's worked out okay. They should give you a double code. <laughs> Thanks a million, Annette. <laughs> Be nice if they did. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Okay. All right. Cheers. Bye bye. Oh, wonderful positive outlook there uh, from Annette. Amy, good morning to you. Hey, how are you doing? You reckon turning things off makes a big difference? Yeah. So, I mean, like, if, if something is costing three cents per hour to have turned on, be it your TV, uh, child's Xbox, your phone charger, the microwave, the oven turns, you know, the, the power going to it. Um, you know, that's three cents for every single thing per hour, just for argument's sake. That three cents works out at 72 cents a day, which works out at 262 euro a year. Wow. I, so, I, mean, I often wonder if, if phone chargers plugged in, because people leave them plugged in top of a couch or whatever, and the leads at the top of the couch, throw the phone down and, and get it charged, then plug it out. But the, the actual unit is still plugged into the wall. Now, it's, it's as they would say technically, it's open circuit. In other words, it doesn't have a load on the circuit. So it shouldn't be drawing any power because the power is nowhere to go. But perhaps the, um, you know, the coil inside it or the, the transformer, if you like, is, is still burning a, a little bit of power, if, even if there's no phone on the end of it. I wonder if someone could clarify that for us. I, I don't know about that, but, you know, your TVs, they have those standby lights. The microwave has, you know, the, the timer turned on. If your oven's on standby, it, it has the, it's the timer displayed as well. So it's all stuff that is, is drawing power. Like, I religiously yeah. turn off everything in my household when it's not in use. And, like, my power or my bi-monthly bill is usually under 200 euros. Yeah, our, uh, one of our producers, Kevin, has just uh, said in my ear, it costs 35 cent a year to leave your phone charger plugged in. And he's done research on these kind of things. He doesn't get out much. Okay. 35 cent a year. But if anyone wants to contest that or, or give us, you know, proper advice on what you can safely switch off. Uh, some things don't take too well to being switched off and on and off and on and off and on. Uh, you know, obviously no one's switching off fridges at night. I'm also wondering, are people in the vintners turning off their fridges at night? Uh, and because they have such extended closing times now, some of them not opening until 12, some of them not opening till 2. Many bars now in rural areas only opening at 5 o'clock in the evening. Would it be effective for them, I wonder, Amy, to switch off their fridges at closing time and switch them on again maybe two or three hours before they open? Would that make a difference to them? Um, it would. I mean, like, you know, what if you can switch off and, and save on? It, it probably would. Um, just for regards, you know, some stuff might need to be kept in, in, in a cold fridge, like be it, you know, some type of juices, etc. Um, but whatever they can turn off, turn off by all means, you know, or if somebody can go in two or three hours before something or, you know, have one fridge with, you know, a bit of everything that's on permanently, keep that one stopped overnight so that there is cold things there in the morning and turn off the other one. Yeah. All right, Amy. Thanks, William. We're becoming very cost aware. Thank you very much. Okay, we've got, uh, we've got a COVID test scam uh, coming up on the Neil Prenderville Show in a moment. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. And our text line to the program is 0868-104-106. Mary Jane, thanks for holding. Hi, how are you? Good. Now, this is a COVID test scam, so people are playing on your emotions here. You got, you got some texts. 
Yes, I did. Now, I've just come back as well from holiday. So, you know, I'd be kind of hyper vigilant. And it came in um, to my phone. Now, obviously, I've been getting the, like everyone, I've been getting the, you know, the unpossed ones and stuff like that. But the difference with this one, Mick, is that it comes in under the HSE. So it comes in under the number that will say your, your reminder for your booster jab um, text comes in. So it looks like it's actually coming from the HSE. The only thing is that when you click in the link, if you copy and paste the link, say if you go, if you follow the link straight through, you mightn't be aware because it does look like you're you're being redirected to a different part of the HSE site. But just... I suppose diligently myself, I copy and pasted it and just put it into the browser on my phone regularly. And then it shows you that it's actually a different site. It's not the HSC site. Um, but it, it's it's actually probably the most convincing one that I've seen. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the text you got here. And the first one says, yeah. for Mary Jane, gives your age. Can I give that? Yeah, age, 40, age 42. Reduce the risk of serious illness from COVID-19. Get your booster vaccine at a GP or pharmacy or book your booster on the HSE website. Now, that's a pretty innocuous text uh, because it's not asking for any information, but it does yeah. build up your trust that this is yeah. coming from a legit number. Then the next one. Mary Jane, age 42, without a COVID-19 booster, you're more at risk of serious illness from COVID-19. Book a booster now for a time that suits you on hse.ie forward slash book. Now, yes. what does that URL lead you to if you carefully handle it? That one, um, the, the second one leads you to the HSE, but it's the third text that comes in that says you have been in contact with somebody with Yeah, COVID-19. you've been in contact with someone who's COVID-19 variant, and variant yeah. is most worrying for people. Follow instructions yeah. here, testing-healthy-service-ie.com, yeah. and then there's a forward slash and a question mark, book now. Um, but of course, you've uh, you know you've trusted the yeah. first two. Where, where does this URL take you to? Your bank being cleaned out, I suppose. Yeah. So basically, what it does is that it clicks you in and it gives you it gets you to give you know when you say if you're booking a, a, a PCR test or if you're ordering um, the antigen tests, you have to give all your details like your mother's maiden name and all that um, in the site anyway. So this one does exactly the same. So from what I can gather, the first page, I didn't click into the second page because I didn't put any details in. But then subsequently, someone contacted me on Twitter last night and said, the second page asks you for a nominal fee and asks you to put in your card number. So it asks you for something like €3.10 or something like that. Asks you for that nominal fee and you obviously give permission for for the HSE to take the money. Um, you get your little uh, text message on your app in your phone um, or however you authenticate payments, you know, through your app on your phone Uh um, with the bank. And, you know, maybe some people mightn't be as proficient with that. But then how they get the money out of the account, um, is that they're actually taking small increments of... Now, I'm not saying that €95 is, is small, but they take it in increments of €95 or under a hundred euro, and they take it every twenty minutes out of your account. Is that because a sub a hundred euro is not questioned for validation yeah. by the bank? Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, and I think I think it must be over a hundred euro. There must be some algorithm that kicks in with the bank or something. Um, yeah, but you'd also so think there'd be an algorithm that, that would kick in if they're seeing it at same amount or similar amount every yeah. twenty minutes. And, and the two people um, that that I spoke to about it, 
um, both of them had overdrafts on their accounts. So, you know, the way um, some people have, like, you know, they might have a, you know, two or three grand overdraft on their account mm. for um, leaner months or whatever. Um, and both in both cases, it went over their overdraft. Now, one person ha- got like 9,000 and the other person got, it was in excess of 50,000, I think. 50,000 um, taken in 20 minute intervals and 95 euro pop. Yeah, exactly. So, like... And this wasn't flagged by the bank as being irregular activity? As far as I'm aware, no. And now, it's coming back. Both of the people are getting the money back. But it's just, I suppose, it's a a major inconvenience. You could imagine if someone had a family and their grocery money was taken or, you know, that kind of way. Um, like if it's going to take a week or two for the money to come back into the account, that might impact families massively. So I just kind of, I, I sent it on to Seamus today because I, I was conscious that I hadn't heard about it and I'd normally be kind of, I'd have my ear to the ground about these kind of things. You know, you'd see them popping up on social media and stuff, but it's just because it looks so genuine that nearly I, that I was nearly fooled by it myself, you know. I suppose for older people listening, if they get this and maybe they're not so proficient technology-wise, yeah. If you see something like follow instructions here, testing-healthy-service.ie and then some random uh, characters and then book now, the best thing to do is ring your local doctor. Ring the person whom you've most medical contact with uh, and uh, just say, I might have been in contact with with someone with the COVID-19 variant. Uh, I may need to get checked. Um, You know, you'd probably better be better off to go and test yourself. Then give your details yeah. online and have your and, money and, taken. And you can you can go to the HFC website and book a PCR test. Yeah, but go um, yourself independently. You know. Don't go from the link. Yeah, exactly. And and the other thing is then as well as if you can clear the cash or clear the cookies on your phone. That's not easy to do now for people who don't have uh, the, you yeah. know, the technology so, know-how. Yeah, so the idea really is not to click on the link, you know. That's, that would be the ideal scenario. A texter said, we, I, I got the same link last week. I rang the HSE. It's a scam, so 100% don't click on the link. I got ones from various friends the other day from Emirates Airlines, by the way, uh, for their 50th yeah. anniversary or something, and they're giving away 5,000 flights. Um, yeah. And, you know, being cautious, I didn't bother clicking on it. I just wonder if anyone got those uh, Emirates and if anyone got a free flight, and fool am I if I didn't. But there's loads of there. There are loads of different scams. There is like a, a free box of Heineken was one of them. I mean, they're never going to be giving away things randomly on social media. But it, it, it like and fast away couriers, I think, have had some issues with emails being sent out where things have been dropped and people are clicking links and stuff. So there, there is a major, um, there is a ma- like major amount of scams going on at the moment. But I just hadn't heard about that HSC one. And the only reason that I was kind of even bothered about it is that I was afraid somebody would be caught because it is under the HSC. It is under genuine HSC texts that I've received before. Yeah, but how is that possible? If you're getting genuine HSC texts, how do they get in and use that number to text you again with the scam? I have absolutely no idea. That's, that's kind of why I sent the screenshot. The, 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 uh, these scams are levelling up. And also, wasn't the HSC hacked? Do you remember? Yes. Yeah. So I don't know, is this a result of the hacking that occurred earlier in the year or, or what the scenario is, you know? Okay, it could but have been, yeah. because vulnerable people. Yeah, because personal information was taken there. That's never been fully dealt yeah. with. I, I know there's an allocation yeah. or was an allocation. Was it 70 million or something in, 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 yeah. uh, in, the, in the budget to shore up the firewall defences of the HSE? Yeah, yeah. And I think um, I think they were employing some kind of cybersecurity experts, but it's just this could be 
a kind of a hangover from it or, you know, whatever. Um, and I mean, I you know, I just don't want somebody's mom or someone's nan or, you know, someone's granddad being caught by this, you know, because if, if you have a small amount of money, it might take the bank a couple of weeks to get it back to you and, and people are stuck as it is, you know. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Thanks a million for bringing that to no us, Mary problem. Jane. Uh, brilliant. Okay. That's a COVID test scam coming from what looks like a genuine HSE source. Uh, but if it's anything other than hse.ie forward slash book, if it's a long and lengthy link, uh, then go on the HSE website yourself independently. Don't click on the link. And even if you do, uh, don't offer personal financial information like your debit card number or anything. Our producer, Kevin Galvin, uh, has had money at one stage before taken from his account. Somebody had a right jolly time on the, with your with your account. They bought an Etihad flight. Yeah, and it was just we were mentoning the Emirates flight, which kind of gave me a, a, a bad dose of PTSD, to be honest, when I was thinking about this. This is actually, I did my Erasmus abroad, um, as you do. Erasmuses are all abroad. But uh, yeah, I did, I did my Erasmus and I was kind of, you know, I was budgeting. I was very much on a budget at this point. I was spending like my 30 quid for the shopping was budgeted. Everything was budgeted down to a tea, down to the drink. I knew what I was going to buy every week as a drink so that I didn't have Brilliant. to spend any more. Um, and I came, I was kind of budgeting and I kind of had myself sorted for the rest of the year. And it was kind of, I think it was coming towards March, April. And I was, you know, it was coming towards going home time. So that the money was running dry. And all of a sudden I came in and it was all gone. All gone. And I was kind of going... I didn't spend that much money. Like I was kind of freaking out at home, and I was thinking, "What did they spend it on? What did they spend it on?" How did it happen? Was your card cloned or what? I have no idea. I must. It must have been used online. And then I looked in my bank account, and it was a thousand over a thousand euro. Eddie had Airways. Um, to over to where Eddie had based there in Dubai is it? Uh, no, no Eddie, Dubai. Eddie had her Abu, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, sorry. So somebody. So I I rang the bank and. Um, they said, uh, they said, oh yeah, we, 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 we saw it out of right. We were going to give you a ring about it. You know, we, we you noticed it on your card. And I said, okay. And they said, you're not in Abu Dhabi, are you? I said, no, I'm in France. <laughs> they said, right. It's not you. So I said, no, no, no. So actually, in fairness. But surely um, with, with a flight, the flight has a name on it. A flight has a, a verifiable ticket. Surely they could catch this. You think I literally just had Eddie had Airways one thousand and something. Okay. So it must have been a, a you know a, a not, it wasn't a peasant class anyway. I tell you that much. There was there was champagne flutes. I'd say on reception. And, and did they get it back for you? Yeah, they did. In fairness, once I contacted my bank, um, they but they don't investigate it. That's one of the things I learned. Unless it's over a certain amount, I think it's ten thousand euro. But obviously, if they somebody wants to text in the correction, money. they just basically they they. I think in my case the transaction hadn't been you know the way you when you buy something on your card it comes in as a pending transaction yeah. so that money actually isn't being taken away until it's kind of so I think it was in that period so they were just able to cancel the transaction so whoever was hoping to go to Abu Dhabi had to try and find another poor misfortune to pay for their flight but I just remember the absolute shock of realising that I didn't have enough money to survive yeah. and that I was stuck in a foreign country and I didn't have enough to go home or anything it was just total panic that's, why, ta- that's why taking the contact numbers for your bank uh, they're, they're, you know, sometimes they're on the back of your debit card anyway. Uh, but if you are in trouble abroad, you can you can ring them up. And uh, invariably, if, if once you get through to a, a human being, they're very helpful. Yeah, in fairness, my bank were absolutely brilliant. But I, I just, yeah, it's it's a horrible, horrible feeling to have it taken away. I mean, thank God I got it back because, you know, certainly <laughs> some of the Carrefour uh, off licenses around France that have suffered for the last couple of months <laughs> with student days, but I got away with it in the end. You have a great voice for radio. Anyone ever tell you that? Do I sound like Michael? Flatly, or do, do I? That's a different. Uh, you're, you're, 
big on accents. You really oh, enjoy good accents. That's because I'm musical. Like, like me, you've got a great face for radio as well. Yeah, thanks, Mick. Let's go back to our phone lines. Tony is on line one. Hi, Tony. Hi, Mike. How are things? Good. Now, you had some visitors from America and you wanted to show them around. Tell us the story. Hi, Roger. Some of my relations came home from North America and from England, from London. Okay. So they said, Sunday, they went on a bus trip. No, well, on their own. Now. They were downtown to go for a trip. It's been, they said. So they got on the bus and there was bottles of beer and cans and rubbish. And my cousin said from America, he said, well, he said don't you clean these buses out to drive her? Well, he said, not on the weekends. He says, nothing touched on the Saturday or Sunday. Not touched. So what, kind of, what kind of bus? Are you talking about a, a bus, bus air and bus? Yeah, yeah bus air and bus. Yeah, he said, local state body from Capwell bus station. I will assume. I will assume now. Right, okay. Capwell said, on the south side by Summerhill South. That's it. Right, so he said the bus was a disgrace. No disgrace. And well, wouldn't, wouldn't you imagine to... the buses are more used at the weekends and that's when the cleaners would be needed, not on a Monday and Tuesday when they'd be invariably quieter? I, I assume so, but I assume maybe they're, you know, maybe they haven't got the workers or they didn't employ the workers or something. And then he said some mornings when he goes in, he said he gets the bus out and there's no antifreeze straw coolant in it. So my cousin said, I use the bus in New York all the time. And he said, they're matchless, they're spotless. Mm. The ones in London are spotless, immaculate. And he said, he went around the bus now, he didn't know where he was, going to the south side and coming up to the north side. He said, there's a bone shaker. So it was rattling all over the place. <laughs> and he says, isn't, isn't this Cork City? He says, how is it registered in Galway and Limerick? Where, where are your buses? Oh, I couldn't tell you, say. I said, they, they, they don't come down here at all. They get all the crap down here on Limerick and Galway because they're nice and easy. But they were bone shakers. They were rattling like anything. They were disgraced to the state. So and the driver was very bit. apologetic, but uh, was, said, yeah. they don't clean buses on the weekend. Yeah, so, Sunday. Now, this was a Sunday morning. So a Sunday, Sunday morning. Sunday. Okay. Yeah, so I said, there's no cleaners in Capwell bus station in Cork City over the weekend, Sundays. They don't touch them. Okay, now, so I know it's not the driver's different. job, but it wouldn't take any dedicated employee long, and I know you'll be crossing lines of demarcation here with the unions yeah, and stuff, yeah. but well, a, quick, sure, a, sure a, a quick brush up wouldn't, wouldn't you know... I know, but so like, that's down to bus here, because they get the money, and then he said, I guess he knew bus routes, but he says, he says, first of all, you haven't got drivers. I see advertising the back of the buses all the time. And the state of these jokes, these are 16 to 17 papers, and they're bone shakers. Okay. They're now, you're obviously a they're proud Kirkconian, so how did it make you feel? Desperate. You no, know, no, if you go to London, the buses are automatically. You go to New York, the states, they're perfect. No, almost are disgraceful. So who's ever running bus here? I know who it is. They want to take a, you know, take a look at them. Get out and have a look and go and go talk to the lads, you know? Mm. So they a foreign visitor to see the absolute state of our public transport... Albeit, you know, it's only probably for a day or two of the weekend. It shouldn't be that way. No, no. He said, like, there was a case. And someone said, well, Mankey Dotty, the one washed everything. He could see him going by, you know. He said, what kind, so what kind of bus service do you run here? And it's all sponsored by the state. Taxes, okay. I assume. It's a fair point, Tony. Buses destroyed with litter. It, it also, it also it. begs the question, what sort of people are, you know, drinking beer bottles and you know? cans and stuff on buses anyway? And he said, when he goes in for his bus, he said, he, he might get three or four buses in the one morning, but there's no cooling stroke ad blue in it. Nothing touched in it. So how is it on the street if you can't keep them going, you know? Yeah, and ad blue is the additive you use uh, to, make, right, for the to, emissions. Make, yeah, to make sure the emissions are very, very low. Exactly. Yeah. So some of them could leave the gallery, he said, and there's nothing in them. They're drained. They're yeah, empty. That, They're not touched. That's going to be a big thing in the UK as well, by the way. They have supply chain issues across the board there, principally, I oh, yeah, believe, but, because but, of Brexit. If they run out of AdBlue, those cars won't run. Those buses won't run. Yeah, but no, but see, they have the AdBlue saying, saying they are, but they're, but they're not put into the, into the buses. <laughs> okay, so whatever job that is, I don't know. Isn't, is isn't that down to the fleet manager? I want to be putting someone on the is spot. Is there one there? Is there one there? But the buses are, are electronically programmed. Uh, you're, you're given a warning when the AdBlue runs low, 
uh, they will right. not run without AdBlue because they're doubling or tripling the emissions. Well, no, trust me, they do. Because the man said he had one out, he had to take it down to town and be back up again, and there was nothing in it. Okay. He had to run it. He's tore to run it. Unbelievable. All right. So, I make, thanks so much, Brian. Thanks, Thank a million. Thanks, thanks Tony. Bye-bye. Okay, let's give a final mention to Glentree Furniture Centre. They are in Dunmanway. They're a family-run business there. Customer service is a very important part of their business. Their white glove service, as they describe it, uh, means they deliver and they assemble any furniture needing assembly. And if there's ever any issues, you can look safely back to them uh, and uh, they will look after you with the utmost care and confidence, striving for 100% customer service satisfaction. There are other companies that could emulate that in this country, uh, but Glentree Furniture in Dunmanway Anyway, offer a huge selection of big ranges like Natural Sleep, Stressless, Darrow, Respa, Lazy Boy, which is the uh, subject, I think, of our uh, Friday prize, and Sherborne, along with many, many more. But you can check out the whole fun of the fair at www.glentreefurniture.ie. www.glentreefurniture.ie. Now, it's a 200 euro voucher today for Glentree Furniture. We won't open the lines just yet, but we're going to give you the final listen before we bring our winner on the air. And so don't call just yet, but have a listen to who might be behind the Glentree Furniture sofa. Now, we're making some uh, moving around noises on the sofa. They sound a little rude, but they're not. Uh, just to distract you from the voice. Have a it listen. It is your claim that you left because of untenable circumstances and you want your entire $5,000 back. That's not going to happen. Stand by the phones, and when we uh, open the lines, you can call us then, but not just now. Now, a couple of quick shout-outs in housekeeping. Uh, a benefit night will be held in the Metropole Hotel on Friday, the 11th of November, in aid of Cork Penny Dinners. So it's about a month away, five weeks away. The night will include the Joe Dolan Tribute Band, Clan Aaron, and the High Hopes Choir, so well worth going along. Tickets are only a tenner. They can be purchased from Pad Johnson's Pub near the Opera House, or from Tony on 086 Delighted to support Support once again on the Neil Prendeville Show Cork Penny Dinners. Tony's number again is 086 1755 Sorry, let me call that again 086 1755 971. And Pad Johnson's pub, of course, in the famous Powell Raddy uh, area of the city, uh, near the, uh, the dance school there, just across the bridge and across the river from the Opera House. Metropole Hotel, Friday the 11th of November, in aid of Cork Penny Dinners. Now, Luigi's conversation with me has uh, struck a few chords. Lights out, make would be a criminal's paradise. It's a totally ridiculous idea, Luigi. We're not in the Middle Ages. We've loads of oil and gas. Luigi, stop. Leave the clock alone. It's famous to you all. Learn the history. Your shop is steps away from it. But yes, 12 uh, or 1 o'clock in the morning, lights off. And a final texture on Luigi said, I missed the start of Luigi's interview, but he's a lovely guy and does unreal pizzas. Sorry to hear he's having to downsize or possibly close. The public sector earns 22% more than the private sector, says uh, a texture. Uh, wordplay. Instead, Mick, stop saying FF and FG for Fianna Fáil and, Shin- uh, and Fine Gael. Uh, they should all just F off. Uh, on Starbucks, hi Red FM. Uh, I'm in Starbucks and I just got charged seven sixty for a, co- a cup of coffee and a bun. A little high, don't you think? On Fianna Fáil, to see how Fianna Fáil contemplates bringing back Bertie Ahern, just goes to show how there's simply no change within this party of how they do work. His policies were a big help to the housing mess we still have today uh, and destroyed this country. Uh, on the Mags Tobin interview, 
and bring Jonathan home. Omag sending hugs. This is very sad to hear. He needs to be home. The town should pull together like it has for many families. You're in our prayers. The state can fly a teddy for a Ukraine child, but can't hold one of our own in the flesh. Our country is sick. This poor family. Yes, he does deserve to be home with Mammy and family. Begs the question, why not uh, send the government jet? Uh, I know it would cost. I know it's not green. Uh, and I know you'd probably have to have a professional medical team on board. Um, but uh, if we want to repatriate this uh, Irish citizen, uh, rather than let him fade away and die in Greece, that's uh, possibly one avenue. On Brexit, hi Mick, if the problems in Britain are caused by Brexit, as you suggest, what are the causes of Ireland's problems and the EU's problems further afield, says Richie in Toker. Uh, I, uh, point taken, Richie, but I was talking about the lack of supply in the uh, the basic food supply chain, like bread and milk and coal and that kind of thing, which seems to be right across Britain uh, because of their restrictive laws on emissions, but more principally because of their broken supply chain system, which I do attribute uh, to Brexit. Um, businesses opening always warrant a mention on the Neil Prendeville show. Uh, so hi to Derek and all the gang in Koo Coffee. Now, Koo Coffee must be one of the smallest uh, but most powerful businesses I've ever seen. It's in an old water container building. Now, the building isn't three feet wide by maybe nine feet long, ten feet long. Uh, and you'll find it uh, as you come into the village of Passage West, coming down from Rochestown. On the left-hand side by the car park there, and on that long walk where thousands of walkers walk every day, and there's outside seating, and it's created employment for four people. Uh, so go along and support them in Passage West. Uh, it's called Koo Coffee, C-U Fada. And uh, Koo Coffee is uh, making use of what was otherwise a derelict but listed building in uh, in Passage and has been a huge success in the two weeks it's been open, I'm told. So well done and uh, well done for creating employment, especially and for making another service offering on the walkway there in Passage West to all at Koo Coffee. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. And it is seven minutes to 12. Uh, good morning to Edwina. Hi, Edwina. Morning, Mike. How are you? Good. Now, your son Tommy is turning eight years of age soon and wanted to do the sleep out for Focus Ireland, but he couldn't. That's right. His dreams really were to kind of up into Spike Island with the rest of the teams but just unfortunately his age went against him so he just said to me at home he's like look mom, I just want to experience the homeless and he was like what better way to do it is in the big green area of where he lives Could he have done it with an adult chaperone maybe with an, with, with an attendant adult, no? Oh absolutely, I'd be there to supervise him throughout the night. Yeah, okay, but he wasn't allowed to be, do the big sleep on uh, Spike Island so now he's going to sleep he out wasn't. in the middle of his estate in Fremont. In the middle of this day, it's in a big green area, yeah. That's near Charleville, is it? It'd be kind of between Charleville and Mallow. Yeah, okay. So, a uh, big hurling country. Tommy is attending Liscarroll and is in first class there. Now, you're obviously a family that love giving things back to society because you've worked in homeless services until recently and now you're studying drug and alcohol addiction in university. What piqued That's Tommy's right. interest and his compassion for the homeless? No, I think it's just from listening and learning about me. Like, and he'd always say at home that he has everything he wants and that he needs and that he's so fortunate enough really to have a roof over his head. And when we go out shopping stuff, we go up into the city, he, he can see it all around him. He can see that the, the country is crumbling. He hears the radio, he hears the news and it just affects his heart and he just wants to give back. But he's got a big heart, obviously, for a seven-year-old. Very big heart. Is he I mean, there with you? Penny in his pocket. He is. Oh, put him on there, will you? All right. Let me. Hello. Hi, Tommy. How's it going? Good. Very good. Did we get you a bit of time off school for this, did we? 
Yeah. Oh, yes, man. Well done. So it's well worth coming on the radio. You have a very big heart and you wanted to do the sleep out for Focus Ireland, but you were too young. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, but you're going to do something anyway, are you? Yeah. Sleeping in the middle of your estate, you're going to have some adults around to make sure you're A-OK. And um, yeah. are you a kind of a hero now in your Lascarle first class? Uh, I'm in second. Oh, you're in second now. Oh, sorry. Yeah. My apologies. I, I wonder if your teacher and all the class are listening, could we get you a no homework night? Because you're so brave um, and... What do you think? Yeah, definitely. We should ask for that, should we? So why do you want yeah. to do the sleep out? Do you want to raise money or just raise awareness? Um, I want to raise money because I have everything and I want to be kind for the homeless and give them all the money. Oh, isn't that brilliant? You know something? There's, there's so many sad stories, can I say, Tommy, on the radio these days. Isn't it great yeah. to have someone like yourself on with a huge heart and, and the generosity you want to give uh, away to people who have less than you? is commendable. So, uh, I think you're wonderful. Thanks. How do people uh, raise money with you and for you and for the homeless? Um, so, they go to my mom's page, Arena Cahill, they click on that, scroll down and you'll see the page and click on that and you can donate there. Okay. Will you put your mom back on and well, well done, Tommy. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a million. Bye. Put your mom back on. Hi. Thanks, Edwina. Thanks so much for calling. What, what a fabulous young man you're turning out, and I hope it does his confidence good and the fact that uh, he should be a hero in his class. He's probably not the only nice-hearted person around, um, but look, he really did want to do uh, make a difference, and that's why we love to have him on the air and push that teacher for the no homework day. Oh, will you? We love it. Thank you so much for having him. Thanks a million. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank was, you. Bye-bye. Okay, we're opening the lines now for a competition for uh, Glentree Furniture. I won't have time to take them on the air because we're coming up to news at 12, but we'll give you the winner in the morning. We're going to take caller number 12. They'll have a 200 euro voucher to spend with the Glentree Furniture uh, family in Dunmanway, and we'll give you lots more details on that prize and on the other prize tomorrow, which is worth 1,958 euros on Friday. But for now, we'll open the lines for our 200 euro voucher to spend with Glentree Furniture in Dunmanway. My thanks to Kevin Galvin and Seamus Whelan and to Claire O'Connor who produced the Neil Prandeville show this morning. Have a good day. Talk to you tomorrow after nine. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.